parents strongly caution, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language, and suggestive dialogue. Hey guys, this is Ben Lovett, and you're listening to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. My name is Jose Gamero, and with me tonight is... Bob Skrill, the founder of ToonamiFaithful.com. And... Zach Logan, host and founder of the One Piece Podcast. And joining us on this very special episode uh, is a honorary Toonami staff member. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hey, I am Matt Alias. And that's all I got. <laughs> and, well, you are pretty awesome because you went to William Street which I've been there before but you did something even I didn't do you got to actually work on Toonami and some of that stuff actually aired on TV yeah I, I helped um, direct the uh, Sarah and Steve or Dana and Steve for the lineup promo that that's still airing now and then the intro uh, the, about the meow, the Meowton one and we'll definitely get into that uh, later on in the show but uh this is really cool. I was real when I saw that on Tumblr. I was like, "Oh, I have to have him on the show. I gotta." <laughs> and we did actually. The interview's not up as of this recording. Uh, hopefully, it'll be up before this goes out. But we did talk to the Toonami people at MomoCon, and we talked to them about you, and they had nothing but the nicest things to say about you. So I'm really excited to have you here. That's good to hear. All right. Very good things to say about you. Uh, and I forgot to put in the agenda, but we do have to go into one thing before we go into the news, and that's the Attack on Titan recap. Attack on Titan, Episode 5, First Battle, Attack on Trust, Part 1. Uh, luckily, uh, well, I haven't actually seen dub episodes, so I'll just be speaking about the Japanese one, because I know what happens. Uh, but uh, has everybody here seen the uh, the episode last night? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, does anybody want to summarize it real quickly? Because I remember what happens at the end very vividly, but I don't remember so much <laughs> of what happens at the beginning. Paul, you should probably go for it. It's your first time seeing it, right? Uh, no, this is my first time seeing Attack on Titan. But, right, right, right. That's what. Yeah, that's, that's what, I mean. what he said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I mean, basically, to sum up this episode, Aaron um, basically attacked the Colossal Titan finally. Um, he hit him in the back of the neck, and then all of a sudden... Well, actually, he didn't. He disappeared. Well, he hit something, and then... All of a sudden, there was steam, and he disappeared. So, at least that's what I remember. <laughs> Unless I'm hallucinating, which could be a problem. Um, and then, basically, and I'm terrible at, at summarizing this, um, pretty much, the they went after the, the other Titans that had breached the second wall. Um, and, well, Aaron didn't really fair that too well <laughs> well you're skipping way. a whole bunch anyways um i am before before aaron you know we all know what happens at the end if you've seen the episode but before we yes. get there um 
Aaron is with his uh, comrades. He's told to make a report. It's time to fuel up. There's, it's time to gear up for battle. Armin's getting all nervous. Uh, John is, like, losing his shit, and Aaron tries to get him back together. Um, and it's actually a very interesting moment between John and Aaron because, you know, he, John basically goes to Aaron like, look, I didn't want this. I didn't sign up for this and this, that kind of cliched uh, thing <laughs> where, you know, I, I just wanted to be in the military police. I didn't want to die like you. I didn't want to fight. I just I want to do my thing and I want to live a good life, you know, which may sound selfish. But when there's only five percent left of humanity left, uh, I get it. And then Aaron this is very interesting of Aaron because he he basically tells he tells him off and he's trying to like look you trained for this we are trained for this we can survive today then tomorrow you can do whatever the fuck you want but survive today um, and I like this moment because uh, reading again this is the Japanese performance I'm going by here but when I when I heard the Japanese performance there was a couple of cracking in his, there was a little moments of cracking in his voice and I'm just like. That's an interesting choice. Why would they leave that in? And I'm sure they probably left that type of line read in than the uh, the dub version because the dub version sounds very sloppy. It doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. Um, so th the reason I like this fight between them two is because Aaron, while he is trying to calm Jean down, I think he's also trying to calm himself down. He's trying to tell himself, you trained for this moment. You are ready for this tomorrow you can go into the scouts and you can kill every single titan that you want he's not really talking to jean at this point i think he's more talking to himself and reassuring himself while at the same time trying to reassure jean so it's a it's a very interesting character moment for aaron and then mikasa of course uh tries to come in and say all right you know i'm gonna follow you wherever you go and then his and then the soldiers are like no we need you over here in the back and uh she uh she kind of complains and uh, I think Aaron headbutts her, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, God damn it, you're a soldier. Go do what you're told, and we'll be fine. Off they go. And so Aaron, uh, it's his turn for his troop to uh, go attack the Titans. And they're like, yeah, woo! And you see all this cool animation where they're flying around like Spider-Man. And then <laughs> uh, one by one, very quickly, they get wiped out. And... <laughs> Aaron loses a leg, and he's like, oh, fuck. Uh, I did not expect this kind of anarchy. And Armin is kind of paralyzed in fear as his teammates are just slaughtered. Even Aaron, the guy he thought was going to go the furthest, is like lying, bleeding on the roof, dying. And he's kind of given up, and he's paralyzed by fear so much that a titan basically picks him up and just kind of slides him down his throat. And yeah. it's not until like he's halfway down his tongue that Aaron real Armin realizes like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. And he starts to do something about it. And then Aaron flashes back uh, to a moment between him and Armin about reading books and about talking about the ocean, which they had never seen before. Yeah, I, re I really actually like that flashback. It's one of the few moments, and, and we got a few in this episode actually, yeah. uh, kind of hinting at the broader world here, which you know I'm still dying to to know more about. And it's also just a great character moment between these two because also true. Uh, Armin, you know, I, I think people have this bad impression of him because he is quite an annoying character. <laughs> um, 
it, it, I don't, and I, to be fair, I don't find him annoying, but I understand why people would find him annoying. He's whiny, he's bratty, not maybe not bratty, but he's like, I, I, I just, I, I, I am a realist. I, I don't think we're going to be able to do anything, and he gets paralyzed by fear very easily. Uh, but this moment between, but because he's so smart and his, and he reads so much and he's so intelligent that Aaron actually values this a lot. He, he thinks that intelligence is a, is a value worth saving and it's a, and it's a value. And of course he just values his friends as well. So without his leg, Aaron, like a badass, jumps into this Titan's mouth and keeps the damn Titan's mouth open, throws Armin out and he's kind of coming to the realization like i don't think i'm gonna make it but at least i can save armin like i feel like this moment's just like look i can't armin's too smart to die we need people like him people like me if the least i can do is kind of just save this guy who can make a difference uh whether in strategy or inviting something that just something someone who is intelligent enough to to survive at least I did something right, and that's kind of Aaron's last moment, as he gets chomped down by a titan and loses his arm. And that's where we end the episode. Yes. That's quite a note to end on. Yeah. I remember when this was airing in Japan and people were losing their shit. We're not going to spoil anything, but Aaron's gone, guys. It was It was interesting watching this. You're just wondering how... I wasn't surprised because a lot of uh, the prep, I don't know about uh, Paul, but a lot of what I was told about the series was uh, to expect this kind of thing. So I wasn't like, it was a kind of a Gurren Lagannish kind of kind of vibe. I, I was shocked that they killed off the main character because I, you know, he's the main character. And then I was like, well, this is, then I realized after watching this episode, I'm like, this is kind of like Game of Thrones. This is kind of like Walking Dead. Nobody that, is safe. That's what I always thought. That's kind of a rare thing in anime where like a main character will just die and then there's no more. Yep. And everyone always comes back to life from some the Dragon Ball special power. Yeah, <laughs> the Dragon yeah. Balls. Um yeah, there there is no second chance for any of these characters. Um and look, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh Aaron's story doesn't end here. There are other parts to it. Uh, because he lives on through these other characters, Mikasa and Armin. They're still around on the show right now. I'm not going to spoil anything. They're still around on the show. So he, you're still going to hear Bryson in a couple of episodes, but for the most part, he's gone. He's out. Um, and for people who know the show, no spoilers. Bad. Uh, let the let the people who don't know what happens find out because it's pretty awesome where they take the show after here, and I think I think it's a big reason why Attack on Titan is just such a big hit that just you know you never know who really is the main character. There is no main character because all these characters are fleshed out and can take up the role of the main character at any point in time because everybody's disposable. Right. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big. Um, that's a pretty big chance for the show to take. Uh, so yeah, what do you guys think? Aaron's dead. Uh, this is my first time I'm watching watching the show. Who do you think the main character is going to be now that Aaron is uh, Aaron's gone? Potato uh, girl. <laughs> Potato girl. I was gonna say uh, probably his sister. Well, Amiga. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, adopted. Yeah, yeah there's sister. a lot of there's a lot of merch for her, so I'm guessing that she's probably pretty big. <laughs> I mean, when I was first watching, at least uh, Armin was definitely, especially with what happened, uh, was definitely first in my mind. I I always kind of knew that Mikasa was going to take up, uh, just because she'd been quiet for a lot of these episodes. I just knew that she was going to take up a bigger role, and she does in in the next couple of episodes. Um, and you know, she kind of does become the main character. The rest of the story is kind of told through her eyes, uh, at least th- this next part. And it's great. Uh, I I don't want to again. I don't want to give away too much because it's really hard when you do know what happens. But just say there's a lot oh, of twists true, and yeah. turns, man. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of twists and turns. You guys are in for a treat. Um, this is definitely the point in the series, I think, that grabs a lot of people because of... Um, because of Aaron's death. Yeah. Because he is built up to be this big badass, and the show does not give second chances. I, I don't know if he was built up to be a badass. Maybe but not a was, badass, but he was built up to be... The, he <clears> was built up with a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, it's I it's agree. that normal Shonen-esque drive that you, that you often get. Although, I guess the interest... The interesting thing to note too is that a lot of promos uh, focused around Aaron, like even just the tsunami promos. Yeah, and so that's uh, interesting. Well, I mean, it, it's uh, Gurren Lagann is what what leapt to mind uh, when I watched this uh, for the first time because the main character, I mean, essentially the main character. Uh, well, I'm not gonna get into anything there, but it, I, I think for those who have seen that series, it's been a while. I feel like that's a little more spoilery. Uh, spoilerable. I mean, that's been out since like what, two thousand two, three, four, uh, eight, but eight, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it was ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Yeah, it's it's a pretty old show. Um, yeah, a, a pretty big main character dies in that show. I think we can give that away. We won't say which one uh, right. for anybody who hasn't seen Gurren Lagann. Uh, but overall, I I, I guess I'll just ask the guys who who really don't know what's going to happen in the show going forward. What do you? Where do you think is going to go? Who do you think is going to be essentially the main character, if there's going to be a main character at all? Well, like I like I said, I think his his adopted sister basically is going to be the main character. It would make more it would make sense that way, but there again, that's what I'm seeing from the series so far. Yeah, that's probably what I would say too. Just because she hasn't really had much focus on her, she's just been kind of there. So yeah. it seems what's like what's going to happen. Alrighty. Well, I think that about wraps us up. It's so hard not to talk spoilers about the show, man. <laughs> I, I yes, hope, especially I, at this point. Yeah, especially at this point because it's so it gets so good, guys. You guys. I mean, there's basically nothing we could say that yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, there's literally nothing we could say that wouldn't spoil anything. So, um, uh, for you, those of you that are watching the show on Toonami, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Don't watch the subtitled version because you guys are in for treats. Try to stay the fuck away from spoilers on Twitter. Uh, try very, this very This is hard. a really hard show to watch once a week, yeah. uh, especially coming up soon. Things get a little, I, I, like, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, well, a, it's a challenge. So I'm far. really worried for people spoiling it. It's kind of hard because I have, because Funimation sent me the, the screeners for it, but I don't intend on watching it until it's over, basically, on Toonami. Yeah, don't don't. Well, I mean, it's gonna be over. You can probably watch. Well, are it. they doing it? Are they doing it in seasons? I actually was yeah, it's part one, part that. two. So, so I'm so they're stopping the so th- run at thirteen or whatever it was. No, 12. no, 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 no. Funimation is splitting them up. I think we're no, doing no, all mean, twenty-six episodes on Toonami. Okay. So, yeah. Paul, you only have the first thirteen episodes. So you can probably after episode thirteen watch the set. Probably. Fine. 
Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying Attack on Titan. It's a really good show. I'm glad it's popular. Um, but uh, And I'm glad it's doing really well. So uh, I think that's a good way to segue into the news, which will bring us to the ratings. From Facebook, Twitter, and the official Toonami Tumblr, this is Toonami News, powered by ToonamiFaithful.com. Alright, so, Attack on Titan comes in at 1,043,000. Cooler's Revenge, 1,108,000. Naruto Shippuden, 883,000. One Piece, 688,000. Blue Exorcist, 745,000. Black Lagoon, 612,000. Beware of the Batman, 589,000. Naruto, 656,000. Full Metal Aquas Brotherhood, 552,000. Samurai Jack, 497,000. Clone Wars, 566,000 and Samadic Titan comes in at 430,000. Those are your ratings for Memorial Day weekend 2014. It's uh, just I think it's just weird to me how they go like up and down through the night. Like I would just expect them just to go down as people went to sleep, but it like some people are catching some shows but not other ones. Um yeah. this was a weird weekend because Memorial yeah. obviously it's a holiday weekend. Uh, we had the big gun of Dragon Ball and Attack on Titan airing back-to-back, so that was a big boost. But it was still a holiday weekend, and a lot of people who are fans of this stuff are at conventions, including ourselves. Yeah, that's true. We were at uh, Momocon. We got to see... We didn't see Attack on Titan, but we got to see the end of Cooler's Revenge at the bar. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. Um, that explains that spike. It was everyone at Momocon tuning in. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> tuning in at the bar which doesn't until make any sense until <laughs> we got thrown out at 2 a.m but we'll get to that um, yep we didn't get thrown out everybody no. got thrown out well no. specifically you guys no I mean. specifically us yeah. we were fine it was the cops throwing bryce pappenbrook out i don't know what that uh, dude's problem was yeah i don't know about that yeah uh, that dude needs help <laughs> <laughs> um Anyways, before we we get we'll talk about Momocon. Uh, before we get kicked out, yes. Before um, we get kicked out by the cops out of our own podcast, let's get into the ratings comparison very quickly, because I think last year did a lot worse, uh, because we didn't have Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so Actually, we'll talk about that later too, because I have something to talk about. about yeah, that. we we have to we have to talk about Dragon Ball Z. Period. Wait, didn't Ava air last year? Not time? during Memorial Day no. weekend. No, I thought it, it was, was. I thought that's why they aired it was because it was over Memorial Day. Uh, last week, March seventeenth. March, March 17th seventeenth was it was St. Patrick's Day. Was St. Patrick's Day and oh, Evangelion? Or sorry, also Tanami's birthday. They had the green thing going. Yeah. It was yeah, also Tanami's birthday. That's yeah. that's what it really was for. Oh, okay, yeah. but the um, green was for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> actually, according to them, that was a coincidence. But oh really? I'll take that with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I'll take that with a grain of salt. Um, last year was the premiere of One Piece. Mm-hmm. So that's what we had on Memorial Day weekend. So probably not the greatest weekend to premiere on, but we that's what we got. Uh, so Boondocks came in at 1,166,000. Bleach, 988,000. Naruto, 946,000. One Piece, 757,000. Soul Eater, 851,000. IGPX, 653,000. Avatar 7, 621,000. Thundercats, 621,000. Or, sorry. Uh, 684,000. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I got to get used to reading. It's a little different on our site now, so it's a little. I actually like this format. I like this format more, but it takes me a little while to get used to. 
Yes. Uh, Symbionic Titan, 744,000. Uh, Brotherhood, 665,000. Bebop, yes. 644,000. Inuyasha, 616,000. And Inuyasha, 586,000. So overall, I think we did better, but... Well, it's so weird since it's the year anniversary for One Piece. I have to mention it uh, from One Piece premiering. But look, it, we didn't have these numbers before the household ratings, but it goes from 0.7 to 0.6, even though Soul Eater got more people, meaning more people were watching television at 1.30 than at 1, yeah. which is very confusing. But yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, well, technically, this weekend was the one year anniversary of. Or two years anniversary. Wow, I need to lose. I need to go back to sleep. Of tsunami, oh, right? Of tsunami itself, yeah. 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 And also, you know, uh, I I don't know about last year Memorial Day weekend. I'm sure there were a ton of conventions, but this year felt like there were a lot of conventions on the same weekend. Yeah, yes. I think yeah, there, there were like four. Yeah, oh, that's what I was thinking. Three. I yeah, think there, there was a like, like Anime North, and then MobileCon, and I think there was one more. I there was one in Puerto Rico where where uh, Steve, Steve Bloom was. was. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, one too. There were a couple more just throughout. I'm sure throughout the country there were just a ton. I which... think there was one bigger one besides Anime North. Was it Dallas? No, Dallas Comic Con was a few weeks ago. I think. No, that passed. Yeah. Um. Whatever. I'll Anyways, yeah. there were tons of conventions all at the same time. Oh, there was a. Wasn't there Anime Oasis? Isn't that one? Oh yeah, that's one. I don't know if that was that weekend though. I just remember uh, Monica Real talking about it on her Twitter. Anyways, we also have trending, which uh, actually we don't have because Anime Saver hasn't written the article yet. We're recording a little earlier than usual. But let me look on Toonami News real quick and see if um, I can uh, try to get two. them. Intruder 2 did trend. I know that yes. much. Um, let me th- let me see. That was the big important one. Space Intruder Dandy 2 re- did trend. Space Dandy trended as well. Um, Naruto I say Black trended. Lagoon Rock Lee is- trended. Sorry. Yeah. Animazement was the other con. Sorry. One Piece. Oh, yeah. Animazement. That's a big con. Yeah. One Piece, I think, trended. Black Lagoon trended. Uh, so we'll, we'll have the full trending rundown for you guys later on um, on the website itself. Please check out com for that. We don't have it in front of us, so we can't really tell you. But it was a good night. Intruder 2 rocked the trending. We can tell you that for sure. Also, Fanime. And Fanime, whatever that was. <laughs> in San Jose. I'm sorry, I'm just remembering them. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought you meant trending. I'm like, yeah, Fanime. No, Fanime did not <laughs> trend. I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, so we should probably get into the big, big news that happened this week. Um, and Justin tricked me. But continue. Well, uh, so you know that thing we've been asking for from Funimation for like a couple of years now? Yeah. It's happening. Yep. <laughs> Wait, they're finally bringing back. Do you mean they're bringing back Big Windup? Don't care. Battle of Gods. <laughs> um, yeah, Battle of Gods is actually coming. It's real. We're not joking. This has been like DBZ May. I swear to God. First Cooler's Revenge, then Kai. Now Battle of Gods is coming to theaters, uh, August fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yeah. Um, according to Funimation. In uh, 350 theaters across the country. Hopefully Atlanta will be one of them. Uh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure Atlanta will be one of them. Usually the bigger cities get it. Hopefully yeah. hopefully mine gets at least one screening. That would be nice. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to go to like Buffalo or New York. Probably Buffalo, yeah. Fuck my life. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Funimation, Funimation has licensed Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods. They released a trailer and their website crashed. So our website's not the only one to 
experience difficulties when we put up DBZ Dream. news, fake or not. But ours did not crash. Ours <laughs> did not crash because we fixed it. So Ours did not crash, thank God. But, like, when DBZ's website went down, I'm like, I feel your pain. <laughs> what, what, when their website went down, I'm like, I, I know what happened. That's happened to us like seven times. It didn't go down. I, I hate time. to tell you, I think it did go down. Well, at least for me, I think it went down for a little while when uh, I was looking that up. Actually, our web. I mean, I was on the oh. road. I was able to get on our website. Okay. Just fine. Yeah, mm. our website. What? See, the the thing that happened was is we had we some, had a plugin that was kind of breaking everything. There, there was a couple plugins that have been like I've had that problem. Yeah, and yeah. that was what was actually taking us down. So what we did is we just took them off, and it's been fine ever since. So. Yep. Cross our fingers, it won't go down again. The only problem is we don't have a, a thing to connect the forums to our site, so we got to fix that somehow. I think. Yeah, we're, we're we're in the process of doing some things. Hopefully, I, that's that's the least on my list right now. I think we're just gonna have to end up moving forums uh, to something that, that will be a little more nicer. That plays a little uh, nicer like with to, WordPress. I'd like to have something a little bit better, but you know, it's it's. It, again, it depends on how the plugin works. Because if the plugin works really funky from going from the site to the forum and it's going to take our site down, I'll probably just make it something separate or make it easy so that way you can access it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's it may not be right now. Yeah, so we'll fix that, guys. But um, anyways, back to DBZ. Did, I, I haven't looked much about it. Is the is it coming to theater subbed, or is it going to be dubbed already? I believe it's, it's dubbed already because... It's got to be dubbed. dubbed, yeah. Because uh, the trailer that came out, it's Sean Schemmel screaming Kamehameha. Yeah, um, and, and it says they're going to announce the the cast soon. So I would I would assume that means the English cast. Yeah, I'm sure Sean Schemmel is playing Goku. Chris Abbott's yeah. going to play Vegeta. You know, the whole cast. I'm pretty sure is coming back. Um, I would like to know if like 20th Century Fox is involved. In no, they're all. they're clearly not. Okay. They're clearly not involved because Funimation wouldn't have waited this long. Yeah. And I yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest. I'm really surprised that they didn't that 20th Century Fox didn't immediately try to bring it over here. Because they I, lost out. I, yeah, I mean, it's a big cash cow. I think, like, if they yeah, had evolution. done it, Well, evolution, yeah. But um, I think if they had done it, and they had actually brought back the English cash, which I think they would have done. I think the fans would have yeah. been big enough. Like, GBs well, was one of those fans. fan bases that would have been, been, like, so bring pissed. back the English cast. Yeah. Um, which I have my I have my issues with, but whatever. I'm, I'm happy it's licensed. I'm getting... I'm getting my Blu-ray. I'm getting to watch uh, Masako Nozawa scream Kamehameha one more time. So, And all you dub fans are going to get to watch Sean Schimmel uh, scream Kamehameha. We're all going to be happy together. I'm still going to go see the shit in theaters because uh, even though I have my issues with the dub, Kai is a big improvement. I and I'm sure, I'm sure this is a big improvement. Sean Schimmel's still not quite my Goku, but he's close. He's very close now. Like Compared to the I'm old sure dub. Th- yeah. I'm sure they have similar script writers as they did for Kai. And I know Chris Abbott, who basically runs the Dragon Ball Z train at this point. I don't know why I said a train, but you, but you get it. Um, We're going I think he's off a lot... the rails of the Super Saiyan train. Sorry. I, think, I think he's been a little more like personal about like he wants to make it good. It's, it's for a new generation. It's, right. um, and he wants it well-written. Yeah. Uh, and I think Kai, as you said, definitely shows that new concerted effort that uh, Funimation's been putting into it. Yeah, they're definitely, they're treating, they treat Kai like any other anime that they do. Dragon Ball Z is always the weird anomaly that doesn't get treated that way, but... Well, because Funimation owned it back in 1995, 6, whatever, 4. Yeah. 
Um, it was literally and, their first show. Yeah, and, and they didn't know what the hell they were doing at the time. I'm yeah. sure they'll they'll tell you that first. And wow. now they do, so they could put you know the proper care. Well, they also had a uh, uh, Sabon or whatever those guys, the Power Rangers guys, like breathing Burn. down their neck to censor it. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that was just the networks in general. I don't think Saban themselves actually was like, "Hey, you need to censor it." Um, oh well, I'm pretty they sure they they were like, to "Get it on the network." Yeah, so they, they I mean, to... you have to censor it if you want to get on kids' TV, and I'm yeah. totally understanding of that. Well, I know. Um, what was it? The it was the... just the scripts they did, man. The scripts for that show were terrible. Yeah. While we're while we're on the subject of guy, if you don't mind me, uh, tuning in here real quick. Um, they, uh, we found out actually in the last couple of days why uh, Toonami was able to get Kai, and that is because the last stronghold of Saturday morning cartoons is done as of September, which is Vortex. So, well, we don't know if that's why, but uh, I, 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 I know they're ending. I mean, I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but that could be a thing. I thought that it also stopped airing on Nicktoons. It did stop airing on it Nicktoons. Did. I, That's a little surprising because it, it was, from what I have heard from people that have talked to people there, it was doing really, really well on Nicktoons. I mean, when it first started, I mean, that was, I guess that was a couple of years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, I guess Nicktoons fell out of the anime train just like Cartoon Network did. Also, Nicktoons has a much smaller audience, and I think Kai really brought a lot of new people on board uh, to that network, yeah, myself included. Uh I'm a little surprised Vortex is leaving, too. I, th I thought that was doing better than I guess it was. Well, I mean, between cable and streaming and... Yeah. Uh, this is a very different landscape now. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody who says, like, oh, Toonami would do great on weekdays, I'm like, you don't understand the media landscape we live in now. I don't think yeah. it would. I think I think we'd be in trouble if we were on weekdays. I mean, it's one thing if, if Toonami were somehow... Like, there was a way to put it on some kind of streaming thing to... It's called you know, Watch so Adult that, Swim. <laughs> well, not all of us can get that, unfortunately. Fuck you, Time Warner. Um, well, you're getting bought out by Comcast anyways. It'll be fun. I hope so. <laughs> God, I hope so, because I really want to watch that on the app. But anyways, um, you know, I, I think, to your point, being on during the week would be stupid because kids, you know, if they miss it, oh, well, I'll just go on and find it on, you know, Netflix or whatever. Because most of those shows are probably, if not already on there, will be on there at some point. So, you know. Well, more likely Hulu, but yeah, I see your point. Yeah. So. Wasn't Dragon Ball Z already on Hulu? At least, like, yeah. not the whole series, but probably. parts of it. Uh, a, a very large chunk of the subtitled version is on there. Uh, Daisuke is streaming the subtitled version as well. And they're the Dragon Box Masters. Thank Christ. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they are. Because I've, awesome. I, I, I've seen your Twitter account, Matt, and I know you like the Blu-rays, but I cannot stand I, the 16 the by Blu 9 The Blu-rays are basically like, it's like this is the best I'm going to get without paying like 80 yeah. bucks for each box set. I understand because those Dragon Boxes are expensive. I'm glad I have them, but like... Even if I didn't have them, I don't think I'd ever buy the the Blu-rays because I'm just like, no, they're 16 by nine. They're not supposed to be that way. <laughs> well, when when Kai airs on Toonami, I'm it'll I, be four by three. Really? Are you positive? Uh, because they don't, don't have, they avoid four by three? They don't have HD masters, as far as I can tell, at Funimation that are in 16 by nine. I know that Kai did in fact air in 16 by nine over in Japan, in Japan yeah. but. If you notice in Japan, when they release the show on home video, only the DVD version has the has the sixteen by nine 
version that no, you see I, on I TV. understand, but I thought... So uh, when they sent it over to the United States, Funimation put out in 4x3 on Blu-ray and DVD Dragon Ball Z Kai. But isn't the whole thing Adult Swim and uh, Toonami? I mean, it's a, I think it's more of an Adult Swim Cartoon Network policy. Well, is if, that they air everything in sixteen by nine? Well, hold on, I'm still. Yeah. I still have more for you, more morsels. Uh oh. Um. So here's what I think is happening with the HD masters of Kai. I just went down a rabbit hole, then. <laughs> yeah, you you kind of did, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that those. You know, the reason, the big reason why, because I think if Funimation had the 16 by 9 masters, that's what we'd be seeing on the home video release. I think they wouldn't even give us a choice. But since that's not what they have, they probably only have 4 by 3 masters with the black bars encoded into the picture. So even if Turner wanted to make stretch those, they can't because the bars are encoded into the picture. I, what, what, what's going to happen when they, um, for the SD feed, though, because they just take their HD feed and letterbox it. So it'll just be three times the letterboxing. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so that'll be kind of funny because it's so basically you have you have your of course you have your uh, four by three pillar boxes that are encoded into the picture. I don't think Funimation or Turner or anybody can remove those. Those are probably just stuck in there, which is awesome. Not a complaint. Um, so when you switch it over to the standard definition feed on Cartoon Network, you're going to have your 16 by 9 letterbox, and then you're also going to have your 4 by 3 pillar box. So it's going to be a really small picture for you uh, standard definition fans, we think. Um, I hope I didn't lose everybody. Uh, no, you didn't no. lose me. <laughs> I'm still here. Okay. I know I lost Zach, because Zach doesn't give a shit. No, no. I, <laughs> I'm the one who asked the question. <laughs> no, no. I... I just, I just have a bad feeling. Well, I don't really care that much. Um, not, not as much as Jose, but um, I, I just, I just have a feeling that they're gonna try and get it to sixteen by nine, any by any means possible. I hope they don't stretch it. Please don't. Please do not stretch. No, it. I don't think it's gonna be stretched. I think they're gonna just try. Well, I mean, it's technically gonna, gonna be. I think they're just gonna cut off like what they did in Japan, and I think they're gonna just try and get those cuts in any way possible. And there's no reason why Funimation wouldn't have that version uh in hd well if i don't think they do have it i'll be honest i really don't think they have it i think toei sent them one thing and one thing only but if they do have it that's probably what we'll see they'll probably yeah. we'll probably see the toei version of the 16 by 9 thing going on all right sorry to get you get you off topic there no it's okay that's actually i hope that's informative for people that's not happening until the fall anyways it'll probably like, yeah we, we got a long we time spoke, for that we spoke to uh tsunami and uh, they're, they're, I guess we can say this, but they're absolutely not sure about when it's going to come on and when it's going to replace anything. But we, we asked him if like it was going to replace bleach and they were, Gil said maybe. And then he shrugged. He hasn't. So <laughs> I don't think they know. I really don't think yeah. they uh, know. That's yet. what I assumed it would replace bleach just cause I, it seems to be tradition now to have like the long running shows in that kind of area, like that time slot. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't mind it replacing Bleach because then we don't. We have the same amount of long-running shonen shows. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't think I'll throw like a hissy fit or anything like that. But again, we don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. It falls a long way away. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and I think the last thing we have to get into here is probably the most important thing, Matt. 
we got to ask you about what it, what your day was like at William Street because that that was pretty cool. Well, what what do you want to know? I mean, a good amount of stuff happened. <laughs> I want to know everything, man. I, you, you'll <laughs> you'll learn to know that about me. I'm like, tell me everything. So, but let's I guess start from the very beginning. Let's um let's start. How did you how did you uh approach William Street with hey can I come on over or well it was all uh I think they they probably talked about this but it was all through uh, Make a Wish mm -hmm. so I talked to my Make a Wish people because they have they're called angels so uh, they came over and they were like hey what do you want to do and I mean there's a lot of things people usually go to like Disney World or whatever that's like the most common wish but we were like let's try to do something that we can't really get into with like money like something special so we we said let's I want to go to William Street and the original wish was kind of like I want to tour Adult Swim and Toonami was kind of like a side thing like I mean I like Toonami but I like the whole William Street as it is mm -hmm. but um, I guess the Make a Wish lady was like I thought I was really pumped for Toonami so it kind of came over which I, I mean that's completely fine uh, the one thing I did kind of wish or ask for which I guess I don't know it fell apart was um, to program a night of Adult Swim no, because uh, I remember someone like long time ago. There was like a contest or something, and someone got a program a night, and I was like, "That'd be cool." But yeah, I guess I for whatever that. reason, yeah. it fell through. So um, yeah, they talked to the Atlanta branch of Make a Wish, which uh, apparently I was the first one to want to go to Atlanta uh, for Make a Wish. <laughs> they either have people like do stuff in Atlanta or go somewhere else, but no one's actually wanted to come to Atlanta. Okay, which is interesting. Um, and then the Make-A-Wish person in Atlanta had, like, just got into contact or, like, friends with someone at Turner. So it kind of uh, sprouted from there, and they were sending emails, and it, we actually got, like, a, a turnaround time of, like, two weeks. Like, they, we, it was in, like, and we talked about it in, like, April, and then in May, they were like, hey, can you come in, like, a week? And we were just kind of like, I, I guess. It didn't really seem like there was any <laughs> other, other time we could do it. Because it seemed like they were locked on for that for that week. So uh, we're we're in Atlanta now, I guess. And you know what what was your feeling finally being outside Adult Swim? Well, like what do you mean? Like, like being like going past the building, like or something. Either going past the building, seeing the building, walking inside. What were what were your first impressions of it finally being there? Um. Well, it was cool to see that uh, that mural or whatever of the all the shows that they've done. Yeah. And then of course uh, we got a picture in front of the uh, the big owl on the roof. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that little guy's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, going inside, uh, we met with uh, I think we met with Chris. She was part of the uh, Chrissy, Tommy. right? I think so. Yeah, Hartley. Yeah, yeah, and then um, yeah, we were like we uh, signed in. Like I have a I have a badge now for there that I wanna like I wanna do something with, and then. Um, I don't know. It was kind of funny because the like the uh, Jason was the one who like kind of brought us back, and it was like the second I saw him, I was like, I know, like I knew that was Jason, and uh, I was probably smiling like a doofus. <laughs> he he has that effect on people. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, so, all right, so we're in the building, and you you. I'm assuming you've met the entire team at this point. What did you What did you do first? Did you direct? Did you edit something? Oh, what did we do first? I I think the first thing I really did outside of a tour, cause well we, I toured around all the uh, all their offices, all the Tanami people, and I I met some of the Adult Swim editors, and Dave Willis, which he was nice. Um, 
he actually well I'll get into it later, but uh, he did something really cool for me. Um, but yeah, the first thing I did was I directed Dana for the two lineup, the lineup promo and the intro, and then um, I don't know. I posted on my Twitter, but there was another like a a fun little intro that they made just for me. Yeah, the the one where they spoke about you being a cool dude and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, Some, so, something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that I, I well I didn't really direct that one. I I let Gil or it was Gil or Brent. I can't remember. Uh, direct that one and. And then we had lunch, and then we watched uh, Attack on Titan and Beware the Batman, which was fun. And we had pizza. It was really good pizza. I don't remember where it was from, but it was some local place. <laughs> um. So, uh, just did, how how fun was it to direct Dana? Because we've we've met Dana before, and she's a, uh, for lack of a better term, she's kind of airy and light. And it's so, and I mean that in the best possible way. She is so much fun to be around. I, I mean that in the best possible way, guys. I really I, I do. Think, I think that's a, a good description. I mean, she's a lot of fun, and um, in fact, the one of the lines in the um, in the lineup promo is originally supposed to be uh, "Blue Exorcist redeems us at one thirty, whatever it airs, and then Black Lagoon sullies us at like the next at two, I think two. And then, uh, but she was just playing around, and she said, uh, Black Lagoon, like, kicks us in the face at two. So, I mean, she's good with improv. Like, she'll make up stuff on the spot. It's um, fun to hear. Now, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't direct Steve at the same time. So that must have happened later then? Yeah, I did that. Uh, that was after lunch. Okay. We did it over the phone. I'm always interested to hear how that actually works. So, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's not over Skype or anything like that. So he's he's just on the phone and he just records in his own booth. Yeah, um, we were we were in a conference room and we had the phone and speaker and we just I talked to him and. I always thought this was a more complicated setup, but never mind. <laughs> My dreams <laughs> well, have been I, shattered of this. <laughs> I don't know if how his uh, how it is on his end. I mean, he's probably in some big studio or something. Yeah, he he's, maybe he's in his room, like in his house. He actually he he told us that he actually records in his home studio. He built his own little home studio, so I'm sure he just sends all the audio over to uh, Brent. Yeah, but I always thought that Brent was maybe like recording backup for some reason on like this huge mixer. But it makes nope, so much more over, sense on a speaker. Just over a conference call, basically. Uh, that's cool. Uh, and then he also uh, recorded me a voicemail. Oh, that's cool. So, Which like, pretty... like Tom, like telling you, "Hey, leave a message at the beep." Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know if I could just run it off my phone, but um, yeah, it was basically like, "Hey, this is Tom. You've meets Matt's uh, voicemail from space," and it's uh, it's pretty funny. I'm pretty sure most people who call me won't understand who it is, but my friends will, <laughs> and that's all that matters. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> that's all that matters. That is all that matters. It's true, and it's a good conversation piece. So someone's gonna come up to you and be like, "So what's with your voicemail?" Oh, it's this long story. You watch Tsunami? Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, so uh, we've had lunch. We we've directed Steve. Uh, I know. I know the Tsunami people are very generous, so they must have given you a lot of free gear. What'd you get? Uh, well, I post a lot of it on my Twitter, but uh, I got a bunch of DVDs. I got a bunch of um, just kind of random stuff. I got like a fanny pack and like socks and a bunch of random stuff, like a a meatball beanie. Um, I got the well, uh, I got a cool glass, which is kind of hard to see. I didn't take a picture of it because you can't really tell what it is. Um, but just a lot of cool stuff, and uh, and of course I got the uh, the Tom figure. Oh yeah, you got we got one of the Tomcats. Yeah, I mean, it's that thing's really cool. It's in uh, with all my Gundams. 
Have you thought about like actually painting the little guy? I have. I don't know. I'm not very good at painting, so I don't know if I would do it or if I'd make get someone else to do it that maybe isn't a Toonami fan so they wouldn't know what it is <laughs> and want to run off with it. Yeah. Um that's uh that I mean that's that's cool. You have one of three in the world. Yeah. The that's, other one I is in that's... Jason's office, and the other one, some guy from Momocon has it. I don't remember his name, but yes. he... yeah. Damn, use some guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's congratulations like to some guy. He deserved it, man. Yeah, it's like a, now some we're a part of some secret club. <laughs> the keepers of the Tom. You are the I keepers like of the Tom. A... a secret club that everybody's stalking. Get working on that logo. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta make a uh, business cards. You gotta yeah. have a meeting with Jason and other guy at the end of the month, every month, and just have your Tom's talk. Damn other guy! <laughs> I I wish I, I'm so sorry if you other guy if you are listening. <laughs> I'm so sorry I don't know your name. You should I, get a name change. Is what he, he said. He posted. That's uh, a weird he posted, name to have. He posted, posted a picture. The, yeah. No, well, he posted on the uh, the YouTube page for the panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I know. I saw him. I don't remember his name. Was you should though. probably get in contact with him and be like, "Hey, no, no, give me your some time. guy, some guy." <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I saw him. I remember I saw him running down the st- uh, the stage or down the hall, uh, the alleyway to get to the stage, and I'm just like, "Oh, thank God you're in this part of the area." Because if he was behind me, I'd have a lot of trouble getting around. So I'm happy that he was able to be in the shot and um, that we were able to get him in the video. So mm-hmm. congratulations, some guy. Um, and thank you for commenting on YouTube video and he also posted up a picture I think on his Twitter account or maybe his Tumblr account I think I saw it somewhere well the the Tommy page put something on their Tumblr that's what I saw he posted up um, his collection he apparently has a very big figure collection of like Gundams and I think a couple of DBZ figures and stuff like that and Tom is right in the middle yeah that's how my setup is I have this on my desk I have got like this big kind of hole where like nothing really is. So I have a bunch of uh, Gundams and like I think there's like a Mech Warrior guy and just some random robots and he's like uh, he's king of the robots. Well, Tom is king middle. of the robots. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I'm sure he would agree with that. <laughs> um, so I guess we're kind of winding down here a little bit. Uh, you you said you talked to Dave Wibbles and he gave you something. What was that? Oh, he didn't give me something. Um, he let me go. He got in contact with the guys who make Aquatine and Squidbillies. Mm-hmm. So I got to go visit that studio and like talk to some of the guys there, which was really cool. And like, uh, I got to see how they make the animation and stuff. And then what was even more interesting, which I kind of wish we uh, we probably we stayed in Atlanta a bit longer because we probably could have ended up going to like every studio because they all se- they all seem to know each other. Like they're very tightly knit there. Yeah. So we um from there we got to go to the guys who make uh Archer. Cuz they're in at, like Atlanta like they were like a few blocks away. That's awesome. So uh I got a little tour of that which Those are the, those are the C-Lab guys, right? And Frisky Dingo and yeah. that, that whole Yeah. Thing. I think so. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're real nice. And I mean they I think they were on a hi- like hiatus cuz they were I think they finished up the season or something so there wasn't many people there. But they still Gave me the or show me some cool stuff, and I got to see behind the scenes kind of. Man, I wish you had stayed longer in Atlanta. It would have been great if you had come to Momocon with us. That would have been really fun. I I was pl- like thinking about going out to Momocon, like, but I was like, I don't know, it's gonna be a lot of money because we, I mean, we just got back from like a like I'd probably got to get like a plane ride or something out there. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to know where to stay. I was thinking I got some uh, some contacts from like uh, from the the studio, so I was like maybe I could call them and like bum at their house for for a day or two. <laughs> Be like, I want to go to this convention. Let me stay at your place. Yeah, you were, you thought I was kind of cool, so why don't you let me let me stay for a bit? <laughs> I'll share my tomcat with you for two days, but it has to stay here, and then I'm taking it back with me. I think that would have convinced people. But then um, also on the same on the day of um, Toonami where we went to William Street because we went to those other studios like a few days later. Uh, we also got to go across the street to the Turner Building and see the uh, Cartoon Network offices. Oh, so you went to the the Techwood campus. I think so. Yeah, that's, I think that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Um, I've been there too. It's actually a really cool place. Um, it's it's crazy how different it is. Yeah, it's... from the Adult Swim <laughs> guys. Like it's just like. Adult Swim is just like this very homely place, and like everyone has, uh, I think it's a, I don't mean it, well, it, they, it's like very like down to earth, and like everyone has their own office, and like they decorate it themselves, and then you go to the uh, Cartoon Network, and it's like there's cubicles. I mean, they decorate it, and it's a fun place, but it's a very, very different feel. Well, the best way I can describe it is that um, William Street is kind of dark. Like it's a little dimmer in there, I feel like, and it's and it's a little crazier, and there's a lot of there's a lot of places that go unused in that place. It's kind of weird. Like, wait, there aren't many windows there either. Yeah, so it's just kind of dark. And then you go to Techwood, and everybody's like bright and cheery, and it's just like, ah, calm down. <laughs> um, and tech, and, and it's a little more, for lack of a better term, again, corporate. Uh, everybody's a little more dressed up, and you know, William Street. Jason greets me in like a night GPX jacket or an Adult <laughs> Swim sweater every time I see him. Well, they all uh, they were all wearing the Toonami, uh, Toonami shirt when I was there. Cool. So that was fun. Uh, so I'm wearing at, my Toonami shirt right now. Actually, I'm I'm wearing a Miami Heat shirt because I won last night. <laughs> sorry, non-fans. Um, You're near me, Miami Heat. Jesus I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you and should I'm, you should be sorry. I should be sorry because I'm moving to Atlanta soon and I'm still going to be a Heat fan. I am screwed. <laughs> so yeah, um you're gonna get jumped um <clears throat> i hope not uh so at, at techwood because you you hung around cartoon network uh what'd you what'd you do there um i just talked to why well, I, I talked to a. it seems kind of boring but i was like enthralled by it but i was talking to like a marketing guy mm-hmm. and we were talking demographics or whatever and like it's interesting to see because he was a he was a big naruto fan so it's kind of funny to see them like he was mad that uh, Disney got Shippuden. Oh, so it's kind of <laughs> funny to see like the 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 guys like in there like watching the shows that air on their network and be like, oh, I wish we got that show. So and then I got to talk to some guys. I got to talk to the gaming uh, area the, about some the games developers? coming. Out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they do any. I I can't remember. Some of the developing is in house, but I think a lot of it they outsource to someone else. But um. I got to play a game that that's not out yet. And I can't talk about. Ooh, so it's Half-Life cool. Three, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, the other thing that that was brought to my attention by the by the tsunami stuff is that you wanted to be an editor. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Um, so, so I'm guessing you talked to Johnny and Sarah a whole bunch. Well, that's actually a, it was kind of a cool. Uh, experience before, like after I recorded with Steve, and then before we left to Cartoon Network, I there was kind of downtime. I think everyone was kind of like at a meeting or something, and I got to hang out with Sarah, and we just we basically just talked about like editing and like anime and whatnot and Adult Swim shows for like 
good like 45 minutes probably and that was that was really enjoyable actually she's a she's a nice nice lady yeah and you apparently during this conversation you convinced her to get a twitter account yeah i was telling her about um uh we were talking about like the fans talking like the fans talking back and how you didn't really get that back in the day and then i was kind of like yeah sometimes it's a it's a bit negative like on a jason's twitter account so but I was like, it's not always bad. It's it's nice to hear the, the fans say good things. So well, I guess that convinced her. <laughs> congratulations, because she will either thank you or be miserable for the rest of her life until she can't <laughs> Um And that's at Sarah, the editor. So if you want to go bug her, that's her Twitter account. Yeah, I, I've I've bugged her a little bit already. Um I made I've been I made a, a little fake promo for a, a show called Nichi Joe. Yeah, I saw that actually. That came and, out really uh, nicely. Yeah, I liked how that, that worked out and I was like, Hey, do you got any tips? And she actually gave me a good tip, which is uh if the action goes to the left, make sure the next shot goes to the right. Right. So I was like and I, after I I rewatched it after I read that and I was like, Yeah, I should really work on that. But I was like, That's something to think about. That's the uh that's the one eighty rule, basically. Mm. In, in editing. Um, so I'm kind of running out of questions here, but uh, was there was there anything uh, that, that maybe we missed, didn't talk about, that you want to mention? Um, one thing I kind of want to mention is probably unrelated. Or, well, it's not. It's kind of related, but it's probably just a dumb aside. But um, Jason, when I met him, he reminds me so much of one of my mom's coworkers who I'm kind of friends with. He's like a bit. He's a bit older than me, but he they they they're like the same person basically. They have the same mannerisms, kind of the same speech, like the, how they talk, and voice, and like they're both like kind of like I guess childs at heart or children at heart. Like they're they love like anime or whatever. And it was it was funny because I was talking to my dad when we had like a little downtime. He's like he reminds me so much of that one guy. I was like that was the first thought I had when I when I uh, when I met him. Yeah, he. Uh, everybody thinks that Jason's this big, tough guy, but he—he's a softy. Yeah, he—he. He, uh, I don't know. I guess people. Okay, maybe not a softy, uh, but. <laughs> I was gonna say, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Maybe, maybe not a softy. That may be too far, but. He—he's uh, a lot he's nicer a nice than guy. his uh, Twitter account seems to let on. Yeah, he's—he's he's very super nice. Yeah, he's a—he's a cool guy. Um. Well, Matt, uh, last thing I, I want to ask you, and then I think we're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, what what overall did you did you like about the experience? Uh, had it? What what did you take away from from the entire thing? Um, base. I mean, the honestly, the best part was just meeting all these cool guys. I mean, I've been watching Adult Swim and Toonami since well, like Toonami since like probably the Tom One years, and then Adult Swim really early on, like when Home Movies was premiering. In which I was like really little. I probably shouldn't have been watching it, but uh, I mean, it's it's all it's been all like influenced my humor and kind of my style of. Like, I always like the promos they do, so it's always it's something I've been I want to work in and kind of be a part of in any way I can. Well, man, I hope you I hope you come back to Atlanta, and I hope you achieve that dream. That'd be really cool. Thank you. I, I hope to go to MomoCon if they're if they're doing it next year. Yeah, next year it's going to be at the World Congress Center, right next to my job. So I probably won't be participating that much. All right, congrats on the uh, the new job. Thank you. I actually I got to um, 
Okay, we got we toured the uh, the CNN buildings because they have a tour. Oh, so you went to the CNN Center? Yeah, yeah, that, that, place, that place is huge. Is really big. It's awesome. So, so, so since you took the tour, you went up the es- the the escalator. Yeah, which is only used for the tours. Like it has no other purpose. <laughs> um, which it's I always cool. find kind of it's really cool to just go up it, but it's like this thing has no other purpose other than the tours, <laughs> and it's actually a Guinness World Record holder, and I'm like. Guys only use this damn thing for the tours. <laughs> yeah, the it was actually kind of cool because we were, uh, we were the only two. Me and my dad were the only two people on the tour, so we. I mean, usually they're probably like, "Who wants to do the the green screen thing?" And so it was literally just like, "Yeah, you you do the green screen thing, and then you can do it, and then we'll move on." <laughs> so that was kind of that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I think specifically where I'm going to be, I don't know if you saw it because I don't think it's on the tour, as it's not very interesting. Uh, I'm going to be on the seventh floor uh, in CNN News Source. I think that's the correct floor it's on. I'm not sure. But that's around where I'm going to be. So, so if I wanted you were... to stalk you, so if you want to, so if you want to take the tour, <laughs> if you want to take the tour, you'll see it for one second and then never again because you only see it, I think, as you go up the escalator. You can't, you can't access. I'll, I'll yell at you from the es- escalator from taking a tour. <laughs> yeah, you'll be. Jose, stop doing so much work. Well, um, I'll, I'll I'll just come down and be like, "Hey, do you want to take an actual tour of the building?" <laughs> so if you if you come back to Atlanta, I will definitely show you around CNN um, as soon as I learn where the fuck I'm going. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> In the future. In the future. <laughs> the martyr is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, not the Marta, the uh, the actual building. I'm I actually can't. I'm not going to be taking the Marta to work. I'm actually going to be driving. So not looking Whoa. at feel so bad for you. <laughs> I know. I know. So how how early in advance are you going to leave for work from your Probably house? like seven hours. <laughs> it's not it's even. A, yeah. It's not that far of a drive, but it sounds about right in Atlanta traffic. <laughs> I remember last year when uh, 2013 when we went to Mobicon, where like I took the taxi stupidly to the hotel and I looked down and here's a fucking line of cars on the thruway and I'm just like. Glad I'm not going that way. <laughs> yeah, Jose at AWA we had the same problem. God, that's that city has some epic trap traffic issues. And there's no way around it. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing that I, I haven't been to Atlanta outside of that. I mean, I mean we might have driven through it, but it was like it wasn't even a rush hour and it was like standstill traffic. It makes no yeah. sense. They really and they're like new roads too. Anyway, and, and that's that's why it's good to just take the Marta. That's that's my experience at least, because then you don't have to deal with all that crap. Anyway, speaking of Atlanta, uh, I want to talk about Momocon real quick because we weren't here last yes. week. Yes. Uh, I want to go through the experience uh, real quick and address some things that came out online. I want to address the Toonami panel video because uh, a lot of people said a lot of shit that's not true. So here's the truth. Here's what happened. Um, since around January, December, take your pick. We had talked to Jason, we had talked to Chad, we were set to go to be the official guys to record that panel. And of course, we were going to work with Momocon. We had worked all this out. Yep. What happened was we didn't know that Rory Gordon, the guy in charge of videography, who's a wonderful human being and one of the coolest people to work with, uh, set, set it up so that he could live stream the panels. We didn't know that. We had no idea. Chad didn't know that. And they had offhandedly mentioned it, Jason. Uh, and then Jason, a couple of days before the convention, told us, like, oh, hey, I think they're going to be live streaming our panel. 
And a lot of alarm bells went off for everybody, not just us. Uh, it was also Tanami kind of like, hey, I think they're live streaming our panel. Because uh, here's what happened. The Intruder 2 trailer was supposed to be exclusive to Momocon for a couple of days. They did not want it to be out there for un- until Monday. And we... We uh we we got on the phone. We talked to Rory. We talked to everybody. Like, hey, look, you can't live stream this. Toonami doesn't want it to be live streamed. Yeah, me and Chad were busy Friday. Yeah, Chad, <laughs> Chad and Chad and Paul handled that. Rory called me on the phone. Uh-huh. I got it. I got in touch with Rory, and we cleared it all up. And we're like, all right, cool. We'll just take it down from the schedule, and hopefully nobody. At this point, I don't think anybody had really noticed that it was going to be live streamed. Like, if we just keep quiet, nobody will fucking know. And then, of course, the internet found out. Uh, it got out that it, that the live the old live streaming schedule was up, and like everybody's like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be live streamed." And then we had to come out and be the bad guys and be like, "Actually, it's not going to be live streamed." There's and a reason. <laughs> for, for, there's a reason why we can't say it because <laughs> we we I think me and Chad and and I think you had uh, known about the Intruder True trailer for like forever we're like we've known about it for weeks we knew that it was going to be at momocon we knew about it for a long time which is obviously we couldn't say anything um so that 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 is why we could not live stream the panel it had nothing to do with the indiegogo had nothing to do with tsunami faithful that was tsunami that was their call uh we just cleared it up and we just had to take the blame for it um as for what happened with the upload on the video uh Here's kind of what went down with that. It's a little more straightforward. Uh, the video upload, the reason it came out on Tuesday instead of Monday, part of the reason was we were not allowed to, because we, Gil, we made an agreement with Gil that he'll give us the Intruder 2 trailer to use in the video, but we can't post it right away. We can't post it on b- before they do. So we are like, okay, that makes sense. We'll, we'll try to, we'll post it a couple of hours after you guys. Uh, and we'll give you the link and you can control the timing of that. Here's what happened. Sunday night, uh, 7 p.m., I had finished compressing everything. I had the editing. It was done. Everything it was perfect. Done. Set the thing to upload. It was only three gigabytes uh, big. That hotel's internet was so slow. By 9 a.m. the next morning, it was only 44%. And I had to leave the hotel and go home. So we had to put out yet another message saying, all right, we're sorry. We got to push it back just one day. We're really sorry. Everybody shit on me, which is fine. Um, it's fine because it came out like that morning. It came out morning. like the next morning. So yeah. so here's here's how here's how committed I am to you guys. I, uh, I got I got, you know, saved everything. I got in my car at around 10 a.m. Left. And I got home at around seven, which uh, is a crazy. If you don't know how long that is, uh, that's crazy from a drive to from Atlanta to Miami. That's really fast. Um, so I put the thing to upload, and it was uploaded at midnight. I sent Jason the link, and Jason uh, chose the timing of releasing it, and we got an email at seven o'clock in the morning around there. They said, all right, we put it up, enjoy, and you know, then we put it up on the site and everything. And then everybody stopped complaining forever because they saw the video. 
because it was. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I actually like this one better than last year. Oh yeah, I like this one better. It was funny though, um, because we noticed something that Rory did. Rory was taking notes from last year's video, uh, because imagine my surprise when I go to main events and they have two cameras exactly yeah, I... exactly in the same place that me, we had ex- our cameras. Let me let me explain what happened. Um, we, me, Jim. I think it was just me and Jim that went down. No, I think Dragon Teeth may have gone with us, Jared. Um, we, we we went down to whatever. We went down to uh, the Sentai panel, which was actually in main events. And I'm looking, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's two cameras here. So I went upstairs, and I'm like, so did you know that they had two cameras? And you went. I'm going to have to go down and check this myself. You went down there and then you came back up. You're like, fuck. <laughs> well, at first I was, well, cause anything that deviates from a plan for some reason, my brain just goes, Oh my God, what happened? And I just think everything's gone wrong. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is a good thing. I can put cameras elsewhere. Cause the, the original plan was we knew that Momocon was going to have a camera and they were going to let us use it. Uh, cause they, they, the center camera is the one we used last year for one of our angles. And then we put our camera off to the right this yep. year because they had taken notes. They put one camera in the center and then one camera off to the right. And so we're like, oh, shit. OK, they they uh, they did what we did last year. And that's cool. We're I'm not saying like, oh, those guys ripped us up. They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's their convention. Uh, I'm not complaining at all. It actually worked out very advantageously for us. So we're like, all right, we're going to go put it off. We're going to put our camera off to the left. And we're going to put another one in the audience uh, so we can get everybody. Because I wanted to do – we actually tried to do that last year. It didn't work. Um, we, we put another camera uh, right next to the microphone so that we can film the audience. And it just happened that Justin Rojas was in the front row. So I tried to get him when I could. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I think it actually worked out very advantageously for us. That all being said, uh, you guys may have read my post on Tumblr. So I want to talk about next year real quick. Next year, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be involved with the Momocon uh, panel video at all. Not expecting you to. Yeah, because it's at the World Congress Center, which is connected to CNN. Uh, and that could probably be a big conflict of interest for me, so I don't even want to test no. that water. Now, never say never, but it's, right now it's a no. And as of right now, Toonami has no plans to go back to Momocon. We have no idea. Steve Bloom's going to Momocon. We don't know about Toonami and anybody oh, else. Oh, is he announced for next year? Yeah, he's announced for next year. He's coming. He's coming. But we don't know about Toonami. We don't know about anybody else. We just know Steve Bloom and Crispin Freeman and a couple of other people are coming. But Toonami is not a go. We assume that Momocon, because they work with us, has seen our video. And we actually watermarked our video with their logo because those guys have been very cool and very awesome with us. But Rory's a smart guy. He's going to take notes. And he's going to probably... Use his much bigger budget and resources uh, to put a camera in the audience. He probably doesn't need to put one off to the left anymore. He probably just put one in the audience. And then we will just be the most redundant guys there. So we're probably just going to let Momocon handle the video from now on. Um, I don't think there's really much else we could do. Roy's a smart guy. He's going to do it. Um, I know him. And he is a wonderful director and editor and just overall a brilliant videographer. So the panel will be in good hands no matter what, whether or not I'm involved or not. 
uh, and it's looking like I'm not going to be involved at all. So uh, your panel next year, if it happens, is going to be in good hands. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You'll be okay. Whether or not they're going to live stream is up to Toonami. I'm sure, I'm sure they don't want the same thing that happened this year. But they'll uh, they'll have to talk to them about that. So maybe it'll be live stream. Maybe it won't. Yeah, you'll find out more stuff as uh, as we go on. Trust as me. for interviews and stuff, I'm sure that I pro- again I probably won't be involved. But uh, Toonami Faithful will probably have a lot of exclusive interview time with <laughs> not only the Toonami people, but Steve Bloom, Crispin Freeman, and whoever else is there that we would like to get on our show. Um, well, oh, I need to, we're definitely going to do an interview with if if Steve is going next year. We're definitely going to do an interview with. Yeah, him definitely, of course. But that's definitely going to happen. But you know, uh, so there'll be still content to come from Momocon, but we probably just won't handle the video for the panel anymore. It doesn't. It's starting to make less and less sense for us to do it. You know. So well, we'll see. That's 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 what we have to say about that. Either way, I'm not involved. So. Uh, that kind of ends my my run on Momocon. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'm sure Matt or somebody who is of equal video experience will take my place. Uh, so we don't need to worry about that at nope. all. Nope. Uh, and as for anything else, that's kind of it. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about mo- more Momocon stuff. What actually happened? I'm sorry, you guys are weren't there <laughs> you guys are probably sitting there going what the fuck well, <laughs> these guys keep talking about themselves shut the fuck up which by the way we do have i wasn't gonna say coming. it <laughs> <laughs> we do have other stuff coming from Momocon. we do have so. other stuff coming we do have an exclusive interview with uh bryce pappenbrook Jeremy lee and the toonami staff yes. uh, um and we'll uh we'll hope we i plan to get them out this weekend this weekend was a little busy for me uh Hopefully they'll be out by the time this comes out. So hope you guys enjoy. Uh, as for the behind the scenes video, also that's gonna be a while. Sorry, uh, I got way more stuff to do. I got a I, I got a live episode next weekend, so I gotta worry about that. And I also have this thing called a job. So hopefully you'll see that soon, but not right away. Also, uh, Zach and Paul will be taking over the list of Indiegogo contributors who will be appearing on their respective podcasts. Oh, right. I have a podcast. Yes. Yes, I have a podcast, too. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't have a podcast. You can come on the One Piece podcast at onepiecepodcast.com. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, of course. Um, even if you're not a One Piece fan, just go. Just be like, hey, I'll like- be very confused the whole time, like Jose has been I, a lot of the time. I, I still get to be on that show, and I'm just going to be like, but I'm not caught up. We'll catch you up, Jose. I got to get caught up. Any well, way you, it takes. Yeah, you guys. I'm just following uh, what's airing on Toonami. Yeah. yeah. You can be our Toonami expert. Ooh. <laughs> um, so, anyways, let's talk about the actual panel itself. Uh, Bebop's coming back. Yay. Really happy. Uh, and then uh, we saw the Intruder True trailer, which looked awesome. Let's talk about that a little bit. Because uh, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. Yep. I must have asked, you can ask Jim, I must have watched that thing 20 million times when Gil sent it to me. I'm with you there. I mean, Gil didn't send it to me, but I, I did watch it 20 million times. I don't know if any of you guys are fans of the new BSG. Um, but the music and kind of the vibe of it yeah. felt like that. I, I don't know if any of you have seen it or agree, but that's a very good thing. That's high praise. 
Please watch it. Please watch that trailer on Toonami Digital Arsenal. By the way, we donated um, encodes that are directly from the broadcast masters, and I I was very careful with the compression on those. So that's probably the best quality you're going to find on the web. Yeah, when I when I saw you did that, I immediately was on on there downloading that. Yeah, that and the Momocon uh, panel intro are there. Uh, and thanks to Toonami for giving us permission to give those out. Uh, we couldn't send you the actual broadcast masters to Tyler. We couldn't actually send those because I have a feeling he'd be like, "I can't play this." <laughs> what? Is well, I've this? got um, I've got like a broadcast version of that uh, that intro they made for me. So you have it in ProRes? I think so. That's. The, I mean, it's just really high quality. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's like the uh, Apple codec that they use. I'm not sure what what codec is. I could, but it like it lags on my computer a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. You're speaking another language, Jose. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what I do. Um, yeah, you, then they probably they probably gave you the um, Apple ProRes Master, which is again broadcast quality. That is, it doesn't go higher than that. Donde está la biblioteca? I'm not speaking Spanish. <laughs> do you want me to start speaking Spanish? We'll be really lost. I know lost. you can. I know you can do that. <laughs> I, I can speak editing in Spanish. We'll be really lost. Wow, you could wait. You could speak about editing in Spanish. Si, I guess senor. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, um, so please go check out the trailer. I want to talk about the trailer a little bit because, uh, how many of you noticed Tom's gun? I only noticed when I looked I at the Tsunami Digital Arsenal one because I I couldn't see it in the uh, YouTube version. Yeah, because YouTube is, I'm sorry, this shit quality. <laughs> I I just came off as elitist, but it's true. As long as you admit it. I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the gun is is in the in the liquid of some kind, uh, which could be the intruder. And we see. I believe it's called intruder goo. Intruder. Well, I don't know what the official name <laughs> is. I just call it intruder. I made I made it up. Oh. I, and then we also see some shots of the outside of the pollution. We see Tom flying outwards into space, which is never good. It's like he hasn't learned anything in 20 years or however yeah, long ago that was. <laughs> it's like, did that happen to you last time? <laughs> Stop flying out into space. The, the thing I really wanted to point out, though, is just the quality of the animation looks oh, stunning. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, I feel like they should make like a whole movie of Toonami and it would look or like the Tom animations, it would look awesome. The, I would definitely watch that. They are pushing, I think, their animators to the brink, as far as they can go for broadcast, uh, with, with Intruder just based on this trailer, because it looks better even the stuff currently on Toonami. It looks way better. There's a lot more lighting effects. There's a lot, I mean, I don't want to say bloom, but that's there. Uh, every There's a little more shadow detail. Uh, just everything moves a little more smoothly. Just the quality of the animation just blows away anything that we've seen on Toonami before. Right. Now, is that is that a space station or is that a ship? We don't know what that ship. is. I think it's yeah. a ship. It looks like an abandoned ship. Now, it looks like the whatever is behind the intruder might be on that ship because it was an ominous music playing as it was happening. It's yeah. kind of a 2001 moment. Just this. It is, yeah. yeah. Also, sure. it makes you realize how small the Absolution is now. Well, or how yeah. big that ship is. Well, I mean, the Absolution has been getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but now it's That's really true. small. Yes. Yeah. 
comparison to the Absolution One. Yeah. Although I think I think compared even to the one that that ship is probably significantly larger. Yeah. Because yeah. that thing was almost planet. It just plowed through the that little asteroid belt like pretty quickly. It seemed like with not much trouble. Yeah. So uh, it's next year. We tried to date last night, so hopefully they get a little more money. Uh, but yeah, if got they. Really hard. With all the stupid NBA finals, but yeah. Yeah, if they if they keep up this quality of animation, Intruder Two is going to be something to behold, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm. Are you excited? I'm both excited and ready. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the other thing I want to talk about very briefly is that we did get to talk to Toonami, uh Direct. We got to talk to the Tsunami staff. We got to have dinner with them, which was really cool. Yes. Um, awesome. And thank you for inviting us. I was late because I had to do uh, panel stuff, but um, I got to catch up and I got to hang out with Johnny and Gil a lot. And uh, Johnny probably was annoyed with all my editing questions. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and camera questions. And the thing that they kept pointing out, though, is that uh, you could tell all the Toonami people really know their stuff because they were all like, hey, he's shooting on a 4K camera. Nobody and Jason was like nobody wants to see my beard in 4K. And... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they all they all knew I I could speak their language and um, I told Johnny my old red story and he was like oh dude I hate the red and we're like ah, me too and <laughs> so we got along over that. Well, I was I was talking to Gil and I said to him I was like because I was explaining I was like you know it's not easy to run a site like this because you have to have multiple people on your staff that can do stuff at any no at any point in the day. Like if something pops up news wise, you know, and, uh, <laughs> like he all of a sudden, like just says out the corner of his mouth, he's just like, that's why we don't have a site. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Um, so, I mean, technically adult swim is their site, but you know, yeah. The other thing they kept, um, I don't want to get into too much because we did ask stuff that they told us off the record. Oh yeah. Wait, I'm not going to talk about and, that. Uh, before anybody asks if the dreaded Sentai question came up, yes, and we can't talk about it. Yep. Uh, because last time we even tried to hint at what was going on, people misinterpreted that completely. Uh, so we're not going to say anything. Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm misinterpreting this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody, I, I might cut this out of the show, actually, because everybody's just going to be like, they mentioned Sentai, something's happening. So, probably. No, I, just want the, I just want the big O back. I want it too, but. Um, I believe the phrase is "I can neither confirm nor deny." I can neither. Funny happen. story. Funny story. We did. I did ask that question uh, at the Sentai panel. Actually, no. Jim asked that question for me, and he said they said that basically, Big O is considered like one of their big series, and they're handling it with care. So we should hear something. Hopefully, you know, sometime in the fall. I'm I'm thinking so. You know, be on the lookout for that. I'm not saying it's going to be on Toonami. Let me clarify that, okay? There's yeah. nothing Toonami-related in this, okay? Now, will that ever happen? We don't know. We have no knowledge of it. We didn't even ask about that, so... We didn't ask about Big O. We just asked about Sentai no. and what the fuck's going on over there. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's all we have to say about that. We asked. Yeah. Uh, I always thought it was oh, interesting did, that they're, uh, they're one of the big anime companies and they haven't been on Toonami at all. Yep. I always thought maybe they, didn't, they never got broadcast rights. Yep. <laughs> no, they they do pick up broadcast rights because they do um they do all right they do uh they do anime network stuff. Oh, that's um, right. So they Is do have aired? broadcast rights, but we can't like further than that. We really can't talk about it. 
Alright, I'll... Sorry. I'll stop them. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch upon really quickly, uh, not not to, uh, we'll touch upon this and then I guess move on. Uh, I was basically telling certain people that I had gotten the job at CNN. Very few people actually knew. Like Jay, like the whole Toonami staff knows. Um, I told them after my my staff cleared out. I didn't tell Paul because I knew he was going to freak out. Um, I already I already had an inkling of something, so I'm not entirely stupid. Yeah, I know, because I, I pulled people aside, and I was like, I need to talk to you over here. And to be honest with you, like, people need to understand something like, and I said this on my Tumblr, I prepared for this a year ago. <laughs> to be honest with you, there was, I, I thought Jose would have, I, I actually thought there was, I think there was an opportunity that you got, I don't remember. I was about was to work some... on Black Jesus, and that almost pulled me away from the show. Right. There was something that was pulling you away. And like, I was like, okay, well, I need to find people just in case, you know. And that was basically, that was my plan all along was to, you know, make sure I had backup because, you know, Jose that was his was plan to... all along. His plan was to get rid of me the whole time. <laughs> no, that was not my plan all along. I will unseat him from the throne. He's, he's going to go work on OPB Japan and this will be perfect. I'll have plenty of time. Um, um, yeah, I... if you want a crappy fucking movie, sure. <laughs> whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, my whoa. acting my acting was at least subpar. <laughs> you were so acting? You happy. <laughs> so you want me to edit your baby and put it together in the, the crappiest way possible, right? Not you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, anyway, anyways, Jesus. Um, but um, I mean, moving like, on. Just for, the, just for the record, like. I, no, no, no. I don't want to talk about this too much longer. I don't. I, let's not make this thing about me. Moving on to the bar, because yes. um, we did go to the bar. We did. Um, we Bryce uh, held a little tsunami party at the bar, and uh, Bryce and I hung out for a little while, and it was fun. And he was like, "Hey." You don't like sword art, and I'm like, I know, and we proceeded to not care together, <laughs> um, and moved on with our lives because you know what, Bryce is still a cool dude, and he understands that that show's not for everybody. So, and the tsunami guys actually came up to the party, and the tsunami guys, even though they said they wouldn't, they yeah. did. <laughs> they were that like, funny, no, like... we're not gonna. G-. They, I remember at dinner, they're like, no, we're not gonna go. We're too cool for this. And then they went. They're like, and just started drinking again. It was really funny because, like, and Justin Rojas was there too. That was so yeah, funny. No, I was, I think I was talking to Justin, or so, I was talking to Justin or Bryce, and then all of a sudden I look over and there's Jason. Everybody, I'm like, I'm like, okay, Twitter. <laughs> um, and then at a certain point, I got pretty drunk. Yes, you did. I did, and I was like, okay, I'm drunk enough to go ask people for selfies. I'm, I don't care at this point. And luckily, That's everybody hard. was really cool and said night and said nice things and. Let me have my drunken selfies. Well, I think Jason was drunk too. To Jason was pretty <laughs> gone. I was surprised. I was surprised that Jason was a little not not as gone as like I was, but he was he was kind of there. He was like, I'm getting yeah, there. Yeah, he was there. He was like, I'm getting there. And then, so it was really funny to kind of hang out with those guys uh, in that context where we're just like, we're not really going to talk about tsunami anymore. We're just going to talk just bullshit, and that was fun. Um, Dana, uh, I don't know if she did drink. I don't think she did, but she was still kind of gone. Yeah, she was. Because that's just Dana. <laughs> and again, I mean that in the most fun-loving possible way ever. 
not as a detriment to her character because she is just the coolest person in the world. Speaking of Dana, you got to you got to tell tell him about the uh, on, what was it Friday night? Friday night. Oh yeah, dude. Oh shit, Dana. Dana stopped me in the street. Yep. Um, it was really weird. So apparently we were we were out at a bar with some friends and some actual fans. Uh, like Arthur Mesa came out to see us, and we were out at a bar. And apparently Dana spotted me, but I already left. And we we went to go get some booze at a convenience store, and we went walking back to um to the hotel room, and Dana at a red light honks her horn and stops me in the street as I'm walking back to my hotel room. She's like. Jose, <laughs> and I'm like Dana. <laughs> we're freaking out, like holy shit. And she's like, I spotted you at the bar, and I'm like, I didn't, but I'm so glad you stopped me in the street to tell me this. <laughs> and it was, it was so cool. And um, and she's like, I have something for you. Please don't let me forget. And I'm like, all right, yeah. And she gave me like a little Sarah pin at the right before the panel. Um, which I got I, one of those. Yeah, because I I got it from Dana. Um, and it was so much, uh, it was so, that was a weird moment. It was so cool that she just stopped me in the street. Yeah. Just like honk, honk, Jose, <laughs> Dana. So she must've been at the, she was at the bar. What the hell was the name of that bar? That I don't bar. remember, but she was there. That was a good one. It was in so, fact, a bar. It was. I believe in some... fact it was a bar and I believe I got shit faced too nice in a row. You did. <laughs> Sunday night, I did not do that because I was like, you know what? I got to kind of do the Toonami panel stuff. <laughs> well, actually, I had to go watch the upload. Funny story. Like on Saturday night where he's editing everything, he's like, go get me some water. <laughs> <laughs> I need some water. <laughs> yeah. What you got? Oh. I was uh, – because I, I had to like sober up and just – Dude, Edit. you were so drunk that you had to, like, you are like, all right, I can't do this right now. I got to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, but you know what time I ended up waking up at? What time? I ended up waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning for you guys so I could get the tsunami panel done. Yes. So despite my drunkenness, and the only reason I didn't edit anything, because even though I was feeling like shit at that point, this was, like, at 2 o'clock in the morning, guys. Uh, I, know, I only know this because Black Lagoon was on. Um, so it was, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just in my hotel room starting to edit, and I'm like, I can't hit the keys. <laughs> I'm hitting the wrong things on the keyboard, so this is probably not a good idea. And all the footage isn't finished uh, ingesting into the hard drive. So I was just like, all right, I'll, I'll wait for this to finish. I'll get some sleep, and I'll do this in the morning. I, and I set my alarm clock for two hours, which so I would wake up at um, – or three hours. So I'd wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I wake up. I'm just like – I have to ignore the hangover I have right now and just edit. And I got the panel video done by by around eight. Uh, and then what what was left was just exporting it and then compressing it so that it could go on YouTube. That's what really took so long. The editing was done fast. We were done. Yes, quick. I was going to say that. Like I think this time, like you you like edited really quickly. Yeah, it, it was done fast. It, really, the problem was uh, the reason it took. I mean, look, we would have had it up on Sunday. We would have had it up on Sunday, one, if it wasn't for Toonami telling us, don't do that. Right. And two, uh, we would have had it up on Monday if the internet wasn't so damn slow. If, if the internet wasn't slow, we would have had it up on Monday. 
Um, but, you know, Tuesday's fine because you guys had the Intruder 2 trailer on Monday. So I think it all worked out in the end. Can never trust hotel internet. No. Our, our hotel way, had way, awful internet. To... You also have to what? Paul, you were saying? Oh, I... I uh, like, I, I have to say, I, I love that, that logo thing that Moose did. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> well, you're going to see it one more time, uh, at least on one of my videos. Uh, so that'll be coming out hopefully pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, anything else happened at Momocon that we should talk about before we get get on out of here? Because we're kind of winding down here. You mean the like the video that I put up on social media of you? <laughs> oh, that was part of the behind the scenes. Yeah, because yeah, I got kind of carried away with something. It was kind of funny. Well, I'll set it up. Like basically, you were making fun of me. Like, yeah, Paul's a well, because yeah. okay, I I don't do this, but I'm going to make fun of Paul for a second. And Paul actually tells people about this show. Uh, well, like, I'm proud of the show. Come on now. And I and look, I'm proud of the show too, but I don't actually like go around telling people around it. Like I don't like I mention it casually every once in a while, like, oh yeah, I, I, I host a podcast every now and then. Or oh hey, I did this uh thing every once in a while. Uh with you know, I interviewed it, the one thing I will like honest to God brag about is my Shinichiro Watanabe interview. Like anybody who's a Bebop fan anybody who's a Bebop fan I run into, I'm just like, Well, I, I spoke to the director. That's the only thing I really brag about from the Toonami Faithful stuff. And I so and Paul was just like, oh, I tell everybody about the the podcast, man. I love the podcast, and I'm just like, and, and I think somehow in this uh, thing, the the cat the the I guess you had told girls or like women that you were hitting on about the show, and I'm just like, no woman is gonna give a fuck about this, and I'm just trying to imagine in my head what that would look like trying to hit on a girl. You know, going up to girl and be like, "Hello, ladies, I have a podcast. You have a really sexy voice." And that, that's and I did that, but I did it no, like see, I, don't se- do that. I, don't I did do it that. like eighty times over the top, eighty times more over the top than I did it just now. And Paul recorded it, and it ended up online. Well, no, 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 no. See, it started out like you making fun of me, and then all of a sudden it turned into you being like, "Yeah, I got a 1080p camera." Yeah, because I would never hit on a woman that way. I look, I tell you guys with a all 1080p this camera. Never, I mean, never. That's a good quality woman. That's a... <laughs> Thank you, <Zach>. <laughs> Look, <laughs> to me, there is nothing sexier in the world than a woman who can edit. That all being said, I'm hmm. still not going to walk up to a woman and be like, "Hey, girl." You got the nice final cut going on, or whatever. <laughs> fuck, you know, I would never fucking do that. That's just creepy. Oh yeah, no, no, That's I never. Where was going with that? Like what? When I was single, I did the opposite of mentioning the podcast. I never mention it. Yeah, I never no. talk about it. Yeah. And so I just this this imaginary caricature of Paul came to my head of just like hitting on women using the podcast, and that's that's where that video came from. If you guys have seen it. I, I haven't, but now I need to. <laughs> yeah, same same here. Uh, no 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 no! don't do that go look it up go look it up um anything else from momocon that we should probably mention people thought i was from cartoon network again which was kind of funny well you wear all the gear i do wear all the gear You're kind of being a little misleading with that i mean now not as now now not so much but close i got recognized more i did get recognized a lot that's true yeah i saw you signing uh autographs yeah, that was weird. That's the second time now, right? Still not used to it. 
Uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Um, get like all the fans who came up to us, like Arthur and Chris and a couple of other folks who I, I'm sorry, I don't remember all your names. Um, a lot of people who came up to us were just the nicest people. Um, everybody was really nice. Everybody was really kind. Um, everybody was really understanding and said that they liked the site and liked what we did and couldn't wait for more content and loved it. And in the inside of my head, I'm just like, I'm quitting soon. <laughs> so that was kind of heartbreaking. But other than that, it was really cool um, hearing from everybody because uh, you all were really nice to me. The guy who – I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but the guy who came up to me – you're in the video. He came up to me and had me sign his model kit at the end of the panel video while I was taking B-roll. And I was just like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, of course I'll sign your thing. I'm just like, nobody ever asked me to sign stuff. Yeah, I'll do that. And and I like had to make sure. I'm like, you know I'm not with Toonami, right? Like, And he actually – like it wasn't one of those things where I got confused for somebody from Toonami. It was like people knew who I was. And that was the weirdest thing. That's strange. It's, it's humbling. It is I think humbling. That's the right word. Yeah. Hum- humbling and strange because strange because I'm just like, what? Why? Why do you think I'm cool? Or yeah, it's, why Steve and you- I are like that when that happens to us. We're like, what? You, you? I think you need to go back and rethink whether or not you want our. <laughs> I think you need to. I think you need to realize that there are way more cooler and just accomplished people here standing next to me. Like I was standing next to Dana Swanson, and somebody wanted an autograph from me, and I'm just like. The voice of Sarah is standing right next to me. That is fucking weird. I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure he, he could get both. I I'm mean... sure he went to get both because that would be the smart thing to do. But just that he would ask me first, probably just because I was closer. But it's still weird that I'm just like, Sarah's right here. Well, stop being so geographically close to people. I I will try. Yeah, will, come on. I will. Well, it's gonna be harder now. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be way harder now. Anyways, it all, it all comes back to Atlanta. I'll be geographically closer to you at least, Zach. Ooh. I'll be a little closer. <laughs> no, no, no. Not while we're on the podcast. And I want to fly up. We'll talk about this later, Jose. <laughs> well, actually, I want to I fly up so badly to New York and just go yeah. see Ghost in the Shell with you. Oh, yeah. Mm. I won't be able to, though, so that kind of bums me out. Um, yeah. I, for, I there's They're doing it. For those who are listening and Ghost in the Shell fans who are in Jose – uh, there is this – it's a secret between us and everyone listening. There's this amazing theater called the Nighthawk Cinema and what they do is they show these really cool movies like they showed Akira a few months ago. Um, they're going to be showing Ghost in the Shell soon. Um, but they, you could drink there. You could eat there. Um, and and they show cool movies that don't really show up in other places. So yeah, I, unfortunately, Jose, you can't make it. Come I on. know. I can't. They're showing the original Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> The original. It's not. It's not one of the Arise screenings. Yeah, just the original, original. We failed on. By the way, we nobody bought tickets. Guess there's no Ghost in the Shell fans in Miami. Um, it's yeah. It might just be Miami. Don't. It might just be me. I might be the one Ghost in the Aww. Shell fan that exists. <laughs> you might be right about that. I think I am. I'm pretty sure I'm like <laughs> nobody else fucking cares about the show. Where is everybody? Which is fine. I think they're all up north. I have a feeling like all the Ghost in the Shell fans are either in L.A. or like up north, like New York area. They might be. Yeah, they might be around here. Or Boston area. Because I, I saw a lot of uh, Ghost in the Shell cosplay at Anime Boston. And I usually see like a lot of cos- like Ghost in the Shell cosplay in like L.A. or kind of further up north. Well, it's uh, for those wondering, it's June 13th and it's a midnight showing, a 1220 a.m. showing. But um, 
and I yeah. want to go. So I like I want to fly up there, watch the movie, and <laughs> you then realize just fly you back. have it on DVD probably th- and Blu-ray and thirty times over. I assume. Yes. Yeah. I still want to do that. I mean, I did watch Akira again after seeing it a million times and having it and because there's a there's a thing when it's on what's in theaters and on the big screen. And Steve fell asleep during parts of it. I mean, it was like... It was whatever time in the morning. Yeah. And if you've seen that movie 20 million times, even I fall asleep during it. Because <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I've seen this movie 20 bajillion times. Anyway, sorry to get you off topic. Anyways, there. no, we're, we're already off topic. Um, I don't think anything <laughs> else really happened at Momocon. Um, really. I didn't go to too many panels because I was busy. Uh, oh, just... we got to shout out to... Um... Oh, God, what is her name from this? Oh, Charlene. Charlene, Charlene Ingram actually recognized us. We took a selfie. That was fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I saw that selfie. Uh, I was hey, that a very weird book going on there. Like what? I'm like, what's going on over here? <laughs> no, she was super nice to she us. She is the sweetest lady. She is. She is yeah. really sweet. But I was so like, you know who we are? Again, it was one of those moments. Like, why? <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like Justin was doing that on Funimations. Uh, Twitter. And I'm like, Justin continues to not know who I am. <laughs> Although I think Justin after, probably meets more people than anyone. Yeah, but I think after Justin. this, I think he will finally remember me. I think once you drink with someone, yeah, he'll remember, remember him or forget. You know, depending on how you deal with alcohol. Yeah, I think because I was uh, like when me and Jason were taking our selfie, we were pretty loud, and Justin was like a quarter of an inch away. So I'm just like. He's he's gonna remember me for this now. I've met him like twenty million times, and yeah, I introduced the... him, you to him. Yeah, I I, I'm like, this is the time Justin Rojas is gonna remember me. Drunk, it took taking a it selfie took a while with Jason Amargo. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. The best way to remember someone. Yep. <laughs> and I felt kind of horrible because I was like, I'm probably being too loud, but so was I think Jason was too, which is kind of funny. I have that same problem. Um, and Bryce was really nice and let me take a drunk selfie with him. And I was like, Hey everybody, it's Kirito. And everybody was like, does, does he know you don't like this? I'm like, yes, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. Um, and Bri- the cool thing is like, I always expect like Bryce to not remember me, but Bryce like knows who I am and everything. I was like, holy shit. Actually, I, I, it was kind of awesome. Like, cause Bryce was down there obviously. And we thought maybe, um, Jeremy Lee would come down, but then all of a sudden, like, uh, Dante Bosco just shows up out of nowhere. I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay, you're not tsunami related, but sure. Hey, this is this is great. Picture. <laughs> yeah. That was uh that was a lot of fun. Um uh Bryce continues to steal my uh signal, by the way, in case you're wondering. For yes. for the East Coast feed. Um so that's the primary reason I think he remembers me, but that's cool. That's totally fine. Because uh, he gets to tweet Attack on Titan live with everybody, which makes me happy. Right. And uh, I think that's about it for Momocon. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I did, too. I had a lot of fun this time around. I we had, met a lot I, of great people. I ate a lot of food. <laughs> like, a shit ton of food. I got home, and I was like, where the fuck did this weight come from? Oh, because I ate, like, a fucking pig. And I had I, the opposite problem. <laughs> Not like, going into like for whatever reason like this convention was one of those few times where i'm like wow i actually ate a lot more than usual that doesn't happen often well usually it's we're running around i mean jose in anime boston for example um and you don't have time to eat or you're like shit i should probably eat i forgot about that yeah 
Yeah. Uh, conventions can do that. But this, yeah. I, I think this time, because I was just, for a lot of the time, I was just kind of cooped up in the room editing. I got to go eat a lot more. I didn't go to too many panels because it was just, I have to get the stuff done. I mean, Momocon's about tsunami anyway. I mean, especially for you guys. So good that you did that. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm sure they had they had great panels, but it's I think it's completely understandable that you worked on what you needed to work on, and then you hung out and had fun. Yeah. So um, Bryce and Jeremy's interview are done. They are done editing-wise, but I got to put the Toonami staff interview at the end of that, uh, which I haven't edited yet, so be on the lookout for that. That should be out pretty soon. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so uh, it'll be kind of like last year. We just have three interviews in a row. It'll be like that, so just keep it simple. And now I can put the pictures on Instagram. Yay. So that'll, <laughs> that'll hopefully be out soon, I hope. I got to work on that. Um, it depends. I mean, it depends on how long the fucking footage takes to render because I really had to color correct uh, the black magic footage. Uh, I'll be honest about the camera. I kind of wish I went with a different one. It it did not perform the way I wanted it to. What are you doing, Jose? I know. I'm kind of bummed about it, but it's very easy to work with in post production, so it was very easy to fix its its shortcomings. <laughs> But I kind of wish I'd gone with a different camera. Like, I don't... I, it was great. A DSLR camera? Fuck no. <laughs> no. It, a if joke I, only you and I are getting, I think. I yeah. Know. If I'd gone with a DSLR <laughs> camera, I would have been in big trouble. Because yeah, those 12 minutes loads. Yeah. Uh, oh, that would have killed me. Not fun. No. Not yeah. fun at all. The opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, it performed it performed beautifully at the panel. The interview videos, I'm a little bummed about, um, but yeah, it, it did what it needed to do. I was able to fix it in post, and I'm I'm overall happy with the camera. It's great for shooting outside. Like yeah. the 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 shots I got at William Street uh, were fucking stunning. Like I was yeah, really those impressed. Really nice. I was really impressed with the results of those, and I was just like. Fucking I thought a. that was stuff that uh, Adult Swim put together at the very, very beginning of the panel. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. No, I, I shot that. Yeah. No, I, I I figured it out, but it took me a while. I had to think about it. Yep. Uh, Adult Swim does not, other than give us the uh, intro and the introductory trailer, they do not really give a shit. We got to do it all on our own. Yep. <laughs> it's your job. You wanted job. to do it. I wanted to do it. <laughs> Uh, which thank you. And I guess, I guess this is kind of the end of the Momocon thing. Uh, we should probably move on. Uh, thank you to Momocon for being very, very hospitable to us. The city of Atlanta in general, you guys rock. Um, Tsunami, of course, for being cool. Chad for putting the panel together year after year. We love you. Um, and Dana for stopping me in the street. That was <laughs> such a weirdly cool moment. Hello everyone, uh, tonight with me I have here Ben Lovett, better known as Near Future for you Toonami fans. He recently put out uh, some Toonami music that I hope you all went to listen to, because if you haven't, what are you doing? You need to go listen to the Toonami stuff. But as well, you should be listening to Ben Lovett in the first place, period. He has done some amazing stuff, including uh, some stuff with uh, Pelican City, where he collaborated. And uh, of course his music is just awesome. But speaking of all that... Uh, 
How are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to have you here. Uh, first Thank things you. first, uh, let's, for the people who maybe don't know, uh, can we get a little bit of a background in, uh, from you music-wise? Yeah, I, um, oh, where to start? Um, I'm kind of a self-taught, um, stumbled into it by accident kind of, um, musician, or at least the, the things that I end up doing, projects that I end up doing and the kind of areas of focus. Um, kind of happened by accident. I dove into music early. Um, wait a minute. Scratch all that. Cut that shit out. <laughs> Let me just, can we, can we find a more, I don't know where to start with that kind of question. Um, give me, give me, ask me again. So, all right. Well, why don't, why don't we start with, um, why don't, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a place to start. Why don't we start with, I think the first thing I can find out on you is, is Pelican City. So maybe we should start there. Sure. Sure. Um, so Pelican City is, of course, Brian Burton, and who a lot of people, the world knows under a different name. Um, and uh, he and I met in college uh, at the University of Georgia in Athens. And we collaborated on some music there. And um, I was living in Atlanta. This was like 2000, 99 or 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. And um, that was our first, that second Pelican City record was um, our first, that I can remember, uh, musical collaboration. And Brian was, ended up, fast forward a few years later, was, uh, he's the one who actually sort of got me introduced to the Cartoon Network crew and the Adult Swim people. And, and he was sort of the one that opened that door by passing them along some stuff. He was doing some tracks for them at the time, and um, and he was the first one to kind of uh, put me onto that. And that was like 10 years ago. That's over 10 years ago now. So I started doing those Toonami tracks uh, in 2003, and it just kept going from there. It's kind of never stopped. Cool. And you went on to establish a Lover's Label, which mm-hmm. came out, uh, I guess, sometime after the Toonami stuff. But uh, can you tell us a little bit from the road, from the Toonami stuff, uh, what what led into? All right, I think I'm going to create my own label and I'm going to keep doing this uh, under my own name, Ben Lovett. Yeah. So it's all there's so many. I keep a lot of pots on the boil, and there's so many projects that I'm involved in. I try to think of a of a succinct way to build like a timeline that makes it makes sense. But the the Toonami stuff was sort of, um, it's, it's always just kind of run sort of over here on the side as its own thing, and it has always given me an avenue to experiment with a particular type of music that I have interest in, but didn't really play into some of what I was doing with the other projects, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, I might, like, have a project where I'm writing, like, Hank Williams-sounding country music songs, and there's obviously not, you're not really mixing in synthesizers and drum machines with that kind of stuff, but I like that stuff, too, and um, my musical interests are, are really varied, and I like to incorporate things that I kind of extract and learn and pull from different genres of music and kind of try to adapt them into other types of music in a different way 
maybe in a style or an instrumentation that's more um, traditional for that particular kind of music. Right. And a lot of that comes out of a background in film scoring and album production, which are the things that I have been doing since before the time the Tsunami stuff started and all the way through since. So if it kind of makes sense, I've continued to work on making records with different artists of various genres, score films for directors, and kind of all on the side of all that, there was this this project ongoing with, with the cartoon folks to just continue to supply them with tracks. And it was um, never a formal or organized thing, really. It was just, I just kept sending them tracks, and they just kept seemed to like them, and, and it just kind of kept going. So it was never like a decided-upon thing or that we had a sense of, you know, how we would organize this whole thing or whatever. It just kind of happened over time that they just kept requesting more tracks, so I would send them. And um, eventually along that timeline, um, I had spent so much time producing for other people and making film music that I finally got to a point where I realized I needed to make some time to work on song ideas of my own under my own name that were um, more my own voice and my own songs and perspective on things. And so somewhere in all that, Lover's Label started, and it originally started as just a platform and sort of a distribution vehicle for different projects that I might be involved in that I didn't really want to go shopping to a label and, and, and do that whole sort of thing with. And it started really as a way to get the film scores out right. uh, early on. Like there, There's not a huge market for that, but there, but just like Tsunami and just like Cartoon Network and just like this type of music that we make for the show, there is a market and there is a demographic of people that enjoy it. Um, it may not be a huge commercial demographic, but that doesn't bother me or the people that make the content or the people that consume the content. So Lover's Label was sort of like, you know, it's the modern age where you have all these um, tools available to you to connect with your audience, and so I wanted to take advantage of that. So that was probably like 2008 or nine, maybe. Okay. Um, I scored a movie called The Signal, and it went to Sundance and became a big hit at Sundance and, and came out in theaters and has sort of enjoyed a really great like cult life um, since then. And after The Signal, um, I had sort of my experience with dealing with a label that distributes soundtracks and trying to figure out how to make the best of that situation. When I did my next film, I wanted to just do it myself. And, and I knew that I would have more projects coming up where I would just want to maintain control of those of this uh, soundtracks and the ability to get them out there. And, you know, you, what, what do you need, really? You need a logo and a name and, 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 and plenty of hard work. You know, you just need, like, a website. You need, you need, like, the bare minimum to get yourself going and say, I have a label. I mean, it's, it's not like a big operation. I have one assistant, you know. Right. Um, but it, it does give, like, 
does give us a flag to fly for anything that might want to I might want to put out into the world that is a project of of mine, and it can be it it can fall under any of those categories. It can be music like you hear in the near future stuff. It can be songs like are on my record. It can be film score music, as long as it's something that I sort of had a hand in and, and guided from concept to, to completion. Right. Um, so just, you know, working with all these different, I guess you have your film scores, you have your original music, and of course you have the near future stuff. Um, you know, what was it like? Uh, let, let's start, I guess, with, you know, because we are a Tsunami podcast. Let's start with Near Future for a minute. Minute. Uh, what was it like working with William Street? Were they very controlling? Did they have a certain sound in mind that they wanted you to make it sound like so-and-so? Or did they kind of let you do your own thing? Well, the when I started, it was pre-William Street, at least from the album standpoint, I mean, from the record label standpoint. So in the in the beginning, it was like, like it was again, it was a lot less formalized, and it was, um, they were starting to take, you know, look look for tracks outside of um, from from different labels and from from Warp and Ninja Tune and and different Lex and all these different labels that we knew people on, and and Brian and I were making music at the time and together, and he was doing them, and so the busier he got with projects of his own outside of it the more it opened opportunities for me to do a couple of them for him um, and send those in with the ones he was sending in. And over time, he eventually sort of told them, um, well, this guy over here has been doing them for the last several months anyway, so you should just hire, you should just keep him, keep getting them from him or something to that effect. So um, he kind of cracked the door and let me slide in and throw him some stuff before they even knew where it was coming from. And at that point, it was, it was kind of like they were like, this is great. Just keep sending us more stuff like this. And, you know, every now and then watch watch the show and see how we're using them and just so you have an idea. Because keep in mind, these are, they weren't sending me the shows and or, or the bumpers or anything like that and writing the music to that. The way they prefer it is to make tracks that can stand on their own and, and their editors will decide. Because um, a lot of that stuff happens on the fly and, and quick, quick bang, bang kind of stuff uh, because of the turnaround time and TV schedules and things like that. So unless you're the composer on a particular show, they're really just taking music from you that they can apply to whatever programming they need it for. So, um, so they would give me a, some guidelines and some descriptors about what kinds of stuff, but for the most part, those guys have been totally awesome to work with very rarely have, um, very rarely ever throw any back. They do every now and then and go, eh, got anything else, you know, but more, more often than not, um, I've been fortunate that they just seem to really like what I send them and, and, uh, I throw them in and they, they put, put them, them on, on TV. TV yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I never know which ones will be used or where, and ever since this got out that um, that I had been doing these songs, um, kids have started hitting me up on Twitter and things, and um, at, you know attaching various clips on YouTube of these promos, and or just asking me names and stuff. And a lot of them, I'm like, I have no idea um, 
you know, where that particular song might have been used or if or what. You know, there's 24 hours of programming on that channel a day. And so I have, I'm, I'm sure I haven't seen 2% of what all has been used. You know, I'm too busy making stuff all the time. Right. But they, uh, I know that they sort of just put it wherever they feel it fits. And I trust them with that. Well, just wondering uh, when you when you do happen to spot it, you know, does it does it feel cool that oh hey something I made is on TV? Cause no, I, it is. It's always cool. Yeah, it's just like the old like hearing your song on the radio thing. And it never gets old. I mean, it's it's cool and it's um, it's always interesting in these situations to see which particular show they may fit. You know, either a bumper or or actually a scene or whatever they're using it for. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be like, oh, wait, that sounds familiar. Oh, wait, shit, I did that. I made that. Oh, cool, Ghost in the Shell or whatever, you know? Right. So that's always fun. And there's so many of them that um, you can hear one that you vaguely sounds familiar and then you realize it's yours, but it's from like six years ago. All right, so... So we have William Street kind of out of the way at this point. Let's uh, let's focus on your your film scores, and I'm just wondering, you know, maybe in comparison to William Street or, or working on solo albums where you seem to have way more freedom, uh, you know, how how do you approach film scores? You know, how do you approach that compared to the other stuff? Well, that's a different animal um, since the the William Street type stuff is music first, um, and then you know somebody else takes the music, puts the picture. Whereas in all the film scores I'm dealing with, in almost every case, finished picture or nearly finished picture by the time I become involved in the project. Um, occasionally you're lucky uh, enough to be brought on board a project early on when they're maybe even before they've shot. Those are, those are rare but always preferable because the one thing that you're always fighting um, as a composer on you know, indie films and things like this is basically time. Um, because of the part of the process that you're involved in, you're very often brought in at a point when everyone's out of money and out of time. And and they need you to save the film. Um, and uh, it's, always, it's always a challenge because films, especially independent films, are always or almost always rushing to meet a deadline for one of the big festivals or right. for Sundance for South by Southwest or Toronto. By the time they're in post and by the time you get involved, they're really pushing to hit, to, to hit a deadline. And so it's always kind of a manic panic. Um, and I've, I've had those um, situations. I've had the ones where you get to really develop something for, for several months, you know, and, and even be see dailies while they're shooting. And then I've had some that are kind of in the middle that, there's, it's not everybody losing their minds, but it is a tight schedule and it is, a, it is a budget. You need to find a way to stretch. And, um, so basically it's a different type of scenario every time because it's usually a different director, different kind of story, different thing that they want. And so the approach really is whatever is going to best set you up to get the job done, you know? If I know I have more time or I know I have a budget to play with, I'll experiment. I'll trial and error some stuff. I won't worry as much that, you know, I can spend a little bit of time going down this road and if it goes nowhere, no big deal. 
Um, when you have shorter, smaller budgets or shorter time frames, you have to kind of um, take a whole different approach than that. And you take not necessarily fewer chances or things like that. You just kind of have to basically manage your time and your resources a lot differently. Um, so let's bring this into your work uh, as a solo artist and, you know, your own albums. Uh, let's, uh, I mean, when you, when you're creating all that stuff, what do you think, or what, what does inspire you to, to create the sounds that you do? Cause I, I've heard a lot of your stuff and it's, I don't, I don't want to say country country is not the right word, but it's much more organic than I guess the, you know, the electronic sounds of say tsunami or anything like that. Sure. Um, with the, with respect to that album and those songs, um, the way that particular album, um, which is called Highway Collection, um, and got its name from it being a collection of songs that um, came about during a period where I was driving all over the United States um, without a place to live, kind of enjoying the freedom of of kind of just always moving forward, never having anywhere to go back to. And I, I went through a period where... Um, I kind of wanted to put a lot of stuff in storage and I went overseas and traveled and I took some time off for myself and, and, um, and focused on just smelling the roses a little bit and just kind of some personal journeys to take a little bit away from work for a while because I was starting to lose my mind. And I realized in that time that what was missing was me focusing on some of the stuff of my own. And so I drove around when I came back to the States and, and started to visit different musicians whom I've worked with on various projects in the past and who I've got along well with. And, um, so much of what I do is me in the studio or in, in some kind of room full of instruments, banging away on a bunch of stuff myself. And what I enjoy the most is collaborating with other musicians. I mean, most musicians do. It's, it's, more, it's always more fun to play with music with someone. And so when I decided to do something of my own, I was going to do it the way I wanted to do it, which was without a lot of restrictions or without any real time frame for it or any sense of it having to be a certain way or a certain thing. So I set out on this sort of meandering road trip to take some ideas that I had and, and stop along the way and basically bounce these song ideas off of different people and record it kind of on the go. And so there's nine songs on that record and there were something like 16 different recording locations. You know, no one song was recorded all in one place and there are very rarely more than a couple of people on more than one song, you know? Right. It's a, it's a lot of different people in a lot of different places for every song. And so, you know, long roundabout way of answering your question those songs really took on the personality of the people in the room at the time that I was working on them. So, um, you know, I didn't have any preconceived idea of what I wanted to sound like because I'm driven by writing songs for that project, not necessarily having like a sound and then the songs are there to, to, to have an excuse to, play the sound, you know, if that makes sense. No, it, you know, a lot of bands like have a sound and they need songs so they can like do that cool sound that they do and have that, the sound of like what that band sounds like. I'm an art, I'm just a guy, a songwriter, not a band. So I just kind of let it become whatever it was going to become. 
I was just as surprised in some cases, you know, that's like, oh, okay, pedal steel on this song, right on. You know, and another one, it's like, we're doing string quartet on this song. Sweet. Um, if it, the song tells you if it wants that stuff or not, and but mostly it's by way of trying things and experimenting, and then if it feels good or if it's it feels like it belongs and wants to be there, you just leave it, you know. Let it let it kind of be what it wants to be. I mean, the next batch of songs that I've been recording since then don't sound anything like those. You know, that's kind of the fun of when I get to work on my own stuff. I don't have anybody around to say, "I don't know, this doesn't sound like a like a love it song." Right. You know, it's like yes, it does because it sounds different than all the other ones. <laughs> that's uh, the goal. So when we're when we're, uh, I guess. To me, it, it sounds like that the Highway Collection stuff and and the rest of your albums come from a much more personal place than than say Toonami or or the film scores. That you you're just trying to get out what you want to say or what you're feeling in that moment, compared to uh, making tracks for a specific purpose. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, those those songs are lyrical driven expressions of from my perspective on you know being a human being or whatever um whereas the other group of stuff that you mentioned is you know music for picture really and music to create a mood i'm trying to create a certain mood and that's the sum total goal of those pieces whereas the mood in these cases is there as a backdrop to enhance um the, the you know the the telling of the story or the the transmission of the idea in the case of like the, the written lyrical song. And 
you know, speaking of Highway Collection, I, I did see this video and I thought it was really cool. Uh, same old song, The Street Parade. And I'm just oh, wondering, yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering how you guys decided to make that video. And, and like, I, I'm guessing you had no crowd control or, or any permits because it looked like the crowd had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> you know, that's so funny, man. It's it's amazing to me that I love that of all like the the huge. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like the so Highway Collection, obviously, I'm sure as you've noticed, has this this whole huge uh, short film or whatever component right. with all these different directs. I love right. that we'll, you get, we'll get to those, but same old, same old song. Nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah, we had absolutely nothing to do with that one. I love that. That was the way that came about. Is we played South by Southwest, uh, and I took a 15 piece band to South by Southwest, which was an insane thing to do. I don't recommend doing it. I mean, it was great, and you'll you'll never forget it. But logistically, it's a nightmare. But one of the things I realized that we could do by having that many people in the performing band was you if you can go out and make a lot of noise with that many people in your traveling entourage of musicians. And so one day we decided to parade up and down 6th Street in Austin during the middle of South by Southwest because I had a horn section and background singers, percussion players. And so we all had, you know, I had my acoustic and you saw, I think somebody had a ukulele and then. There was a lot of people with tambourines and shakers and drums and the horn section was with us. And so we just picked a few songs and paraded up and down the street playing them. And we would basically go until a crowd started to follow us, kind of Pied Piper style. And then we'd hit a street corner and turn around and complete that song and maybe play another. And then we'd turn around and go back up the street and continue to do that all afternoon. And it was great. We probably played for more people that day for free and handed out more CDs and all that than all the other shows that we had played that week combined. So it was like and a free performance slash marketing effort. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, you're at South by Southwest. I mean, you you went to all the trouble to, like, get there and play. You might as well, you know, put in the work. And you're, you're there for people to find out who you are and what you're doing. So we figured let's think of everything we can come up with to do that. So this was one of them, and it, and that video is a one-shot, like live take of that of some guy in Austin following us down the street during that whole performance, and he managed to capture the whole thing, and we loved it. I mean, we it's it's great because it's just raw. And my favorite is when he sort of goes around to the back of the band. You kind of lose the sound from from me singing in the front and then all you can hear is the drummer and then he keeps wrapped around and you can just hear the people playing the horns and it's just it's just very sort of real and raw and and kind of like being there you know it's very it has a black and white and it's it's got a nice little documentary style feel to it so wait wait wait. was he not a part of the band or, or production at all was he just some dude with the street with a camera just some dude i don't even know who that is amazing i know that's great. And he posted it onto his Vimeo. And um, I don't even remember if somebody saw it or found it or sent it to us, but it was only um, shortly thereafter that, that somebody sent it. And they're like, hey, have you seen this? Some guy filmed you guys on the street. And, you know, he had a, I mean, he had a nice camera, a nice mic. I mean, it's really well done. And it was completely haphazard, and it just happened. Just some guy happened to, ca- to capture the whole thing and stayed interested long enough to get the whole song.
Yeah, yeah. Those little things are, are great. Um, when you just go out and do stuff, and then, like, there's some document of, you know, hey, that happened. You're true. <laughs> Well, the, it, it does, I, I thought he was honestly a part of your crew, because, like, yes, it's a nice camera and, uh, you know, nice microphone, but it, it, all his camera moves seem very intentional and the way it's made. Yeah, it just, he wow. definitely knew what he was doing, for sure. Wow, I can is... only assume that he was down there filming other bands and, like, covering it for, for someone. Well, if he has a Vimeo yeah. account, I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Sure. Because sure. uh, people on YouTube don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, Vimeo, Vimeo's been really good to us with all the videos that we've done. Um, the uh, the community, the Vimeo community is definitely like a different audience than, by and large, than the, than the YouTube community. And um, the people who actually run Vimeo, you know, we've we've been a staff pick of theirs three or four times and, and um, just different users interacting with, with us on there. And um, it's, we really appreciate, like, the thoughtfulness of the crowd that sort of congregates around that site. It's very cool. And they do, they seem to really care about the quality of what goes up there and the user experience and things like that. Uh, most definitely. Uh, speaking of those other videos, uh, you know, I was wondering what the process is for some of these, not, uh, we don't have to go into all of them, but for some of these, sure. what was the process of like, you know, did a director come up to you and pitch you an idea based on your song? Uh, because uh, I, I have the storm specifically looks really like stylized and steampunky and cyberpunky, <laughs> and you know it, and it sounds great and it looks great, um, and is one of the staff picks I might add. Uh, <laughs> and you know, wh how did who who approached you to like? hey, this is a cool idea. Do you want to do this? Or was this your idea and you approached a director and said, hey, I want to do this uh, cool-looking thing? It's a little of both in every case. Um, the the short the short form version of the story is um, because of my background in working on music for film, um, I have made a lot of relationships with directors and producers and, and actors and just people in that world and community. And so when I finally made time and, and did an album of my own, um, I shared it with a lot of people before it was out that are artists in different disciplines outside of music to get their opinion and feedback. And right off the bat, four or five different directors who, these are all guys that do, you know, feature films and things. They're not music video directors or commercial directors. These are guys that make movies and they all came running back and were like, we gotta, I gotta make, we gotta make something together for this song. I love this song. And it was always a different song. And so really quickly, there was like five different directors that wanted to work on something together for five different songs. And I was like, well, there's only nine of them. If, if that's half, that's half of them right there. Why not do them all? And, um, and so in every case, it was a collaborative process of, coming up with an idea for how to do the story based on the director's initial kind of creative spark and what they, their vision of what they saw, we would write something together, somehow find a way to pull it off because again, lover's label is just me. So it's like, there's no budget for these things. Um, and in almost every case that meant beg, borrow and steal rally people, inspire people, try to put a crew together that'll come on you with this crazy journey and, and make these really sort of epic, high production value pieces. 
that are just basically art pieces and, um, you know, give people creative freedom and empower them with autonomy over their department or whatever they're there to do, whether it's, you know, weapon design or, you know, um, the uh, makeup design, whether it's lighting, you know, all these different production design costumes. So many people have been involved on that side of the project because every one of those little videos is a different group of people. It was sort of an extension of what happened with the way the songs were made. So the Highway Collection project as a whole is just like hundreds of people that have been involved with this project now between the different people on the songs and the different people on the, the little videos and the, the short films and whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, well, but they're, it's, but they're amazing it's been really looking. great for me. Well, thank you. It's been great for me because it's my, my usual process in reverse. Again, it's where I usually make music for picture. This is starting with the music and coming up with a little movie to make around it. So it's been, it's been a nice new experience for me. Please visit loveitmusic.com and watch these videos. They're really awesome. Uh, so free plug there. Uh, but bringing it back to some of the tsunami stuff, I, I got to bring it back somehow. Oh, that's fine. No worries. Uh, what, what what prompted uh, the release of the new future near future stuff? Ah, good question. So I keep my head down um, and kind of am a lab rat for most of the most of the days that pass. I mean, I'm in the studio a lot. And so I kind of miss a lot of stuff. Don't know what's going on out there sometimes. And I had no idea that, that uh cartoon had started posting track titles on some of these. They started putting them on YouTube. They started putting them on their blog and only in the past maybe year, I think, or so they've kind of started to slowly add, you know, who made the track that you're hearing when they put them on these uh, on the Tumblr and things like that. I didn't know this was going on. And because in the past, it's always been just completely anonymous and not for any particular reason. It was just like, I made these tracks. I sold them to Cartoon Network. They used them in the story. 
And um, there wasn't really a way for me to sort of exploit it or need to beyond that, really. I was happy with the nature of that relationship. And so all of a sudden, I'm kind of getting hit up in various social media channels and things like that um, about these tracks. And I'm just like, how do people even know that I did that? And so finally, um, I really credit the fans, the Tsunami fans on on Twitter and on my Facebook and, like I said, the different social media things for kind of like educating me on what's going on out there with some of this stuff and pointing me towards a lot of it. And I've managed to see a lot more of the the uses of a lot of these tracks on online from people basically sending me a thing and go, hey, did you do this? And, hey, did you do music for this thing? And I'm go, yeah, it sounds like me. And no, I, I don't know. that. Maybe. I can't remember. It sounds familiar, but... Like I said, some of these were 10 years ago, so yeah, some of them I can't even remember because there's now there's hundreds of these things that I've done. Um, so uh, that's kind of how it happened, and um, I figured the way the near future thing came about was just as you observe right in the very beginning, this doesn't sound anything like the other stuff out there that has Love It on it. And so just to avoid confusion and as a way to kind of brand this particular sound of what I do. Um, I wanted to come up with, make it its own group, make it its own band name, make it its own project. And the other reason for it is for the past couple of years, I'd say maybe the past three years, my um, main collaborator on tracks of this nature for the electronic music and for the stuff that you hear on Cartoon Network uh, is this guy, Jeff Byron, who is L.A. based. He's been in a number of bands. He's played with the Meishi and Boom Vip, and he has a band out there, a metal band called Turbo Lightning. Oh, I totally awesome. Yeah, Turbo Lightning, rad band. Jeff's like the creative force in that band. And he's one of my favorite humans in the world and a fantastic musician. And, and I've had fun making these tracks with him, um, for the last several years and he deserves a huge deal of credit for like what they've sounded like over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it was like, we kind of wanted uh, an excuse to work on more, um, full length songs for, of this that are, that are like this and maybe build it into, you know, more of an official project that can actually release stuff and, possibly perform it, things like that. And so when this started to come along where they were posting um, these bumpers and trailers and putting my name on it, I realized this was just an opportunity to, you know, put all this under one roof and basically being a jumping off point for a whole new project called Near Future. Okay. So if all goes well and if people seem to continue to be interested in it, then I'd say, you know, you could probably expect, you know, the first near future track that you can you can actually download and, and have and, you know, is the beginning of like a whole new thing. But now there's sort of an avenue to do it. Uh, that actually brings me to my next question. Like, are there any more thoughts about selling or maybe releasing just more tracks from the William Street catalog or right now this yeah. is kind of it? Yeah, right now what the, what's up there is, and um, I, a big 
thank you to all the fans who waited patiently for me to have the time to get my shit together and get it posted. Because um, I think I was making promises for I don't even know how many months upon a year before I could finally... Part of it was having to get the red tape out of the way and clear it with cartoon. Because um, the nature of our relationship is that I make them and they own them in the case of these tracks. And so they, I have no, I, I can't sell them. I can't even put them up for download. Um, so anyone who's frustrated with only being able to stream them, it ain't me. I'd love to just put them all up there for somebody to download if they wanted them. That's just part of the nature of they're in the Turner, you know, empire and, there's like a way that they do things. and But that said, all the cartoon folks and all the tsunami people have been super cool because they've allowed us to put all this stuff up and let everybody listen to them and play them and stream them for free. And anything in that back catalog, I've been given the okay to put up there and add. And so the ones that are up there now are simply the ones that people have contacted us on Twitter and requested. And that's by way of... Um, them seeing the track titles and various bumpers and things like that online. So there's more, there's, there's, I don't even know, 20 or something up there now. There's like, who knows how many more. So yeah, I'm going to continue to post more. If people hear one, they want to hear, let me know and I'll add it. Um, we hope to try to add maybe a new one from the catalog once a week, once every couple of weeks, throw a new one up there. And then, um, you know, Jeff and I have actually already started working on the first track that would be the first, like, because we do want to give people something they can have and, and download and actually keep. So I would say fairly soon you'll see the first downloadable near future track that will be not something on TV, not something that's in the Tsunami stuff, but just something for fans. Um, now I apologize if I'm stepping my bounds a little, uh, my over my boundaries a little bit, but uh, it sounds to me like near future you know, could expand to include other artists that have worked on Toonami, such as Danger Mouse or Joe Boyd Vigil. Have you thought of maybe reaching out to some of these artists and requesting their tracks and releasing them under the near future name? Uh, right now, it's just it's just basically going to be tracks that I produce or have collaborated directly with people on. Um, if, if I were to do that with people on something new, I'd be all, it, that'd be, perfectly great for that but i wouldn't probably add any other back catalog of something i didn't have any hand in just to keep like a um consistency of what that sound is and what the brand is but i think that expanding beyond just myself and and in this case like i said recently jeff both of us he and i um we want to work on stuff together but we both have all these different things going on and so um, other people that I've worked on Toonami tracks in the past with, you know, there's a whole host of them, uh, or people that I haven't who also do them. Um, the, the guys up there were excited about the prospect of collaborating with some of the other artists who do this this music for them to make, you know, new tracks that are, like I said, not done for the for the show, but just done in the vein of the style of music we do for the show, but they're for the fans and they're for for people to actually like, you know, and they, then you can add vocalists, you can have guests and have people come and rappers sing on some of the tracks. It kind of opens up a way to do this, this music and take the sound beyond the show. Right. Um, and you also mentioned performing live. Um, 
I'm, I'm sure you don't have plans right now, but like, are, are we going to see in your future concerts, possibly? I think it would be cool. I think it would be awesome. I mean, I don't even know what that would be or sound like or be like, but I'm a performing artist. Um, like I said, right now I'm, I'm working on these near future tracks, these new ones with Jeff. Jeff's a performing artist. Um, you know, I like to get out and play shows. And so uh, I think if we could somehow have an ex- a reason to do it, um, and and we would come up with a means to do it. Well, if I, I may uh, suggest your first stop, Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta would be an excellent first stop, no doubt. Um, I'm from Georgia originally, and so like Atlanta's like the um, the home team. It's like I haven't lived there in a really long time, but um, you know that it's part of the 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 relationship that I've had with him has been so good as we're all a bunch of Georgia folks. Um, um, I, I say that partly because of that, but I also say that because I'm moving there. So yeah, <laughs> I'm also enough. a fan. I want to see it. <laughs> um, well, I think that about wraps us up. I think that's a good place to leave it off. Uh, cool. Before we go, please plug anything where these people can find you because you are amazingly talented. Please go listen to his stuff. So listen carefully, everybody. Uh, so you can catch all the short films and videos that we've made. There's, uh, Nine songs on that album, and six of those have been released. Stay tuned for the other three. They're in production. Uh, and those are at loveitmusic.com, L-O-V-E-T-T, music.com. Um, benlovett.com has a bunch of film score uh, stuff. There's little making of, behind-the-scenes things. You can click on the different movie posters and see uh, more information about each of those films, a lot of the score music streaming on there. Um, and then Lover's Label dot com where you can buy and download stuff we're out of t-shirts and stuff right now but you know there's lots of music on there you can get into and uh nearfuturemusic.com if you haven't streamed the stuff that we're talking about go on there and check it out um i think it's there's a button on there there's a contact button to hit us up if you know of a track that you want us to post we'll be happy to post it Ben, I cannot thank you enough for spending this afternoon with us. Uh, My pleasure. It has been truly a pleasure. And uh, we're going to send it right back to the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Cheers. and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Toonami Podcast, and follow our Tumblr account at ToonamiFaithfulOfficial.tumblr.com. Please visit podcast.toonamifaithful.com for all the old episodes of the podcast. And next week, very special episode for us. Uh, but if you like special episodes, before I even go on with our thing, uh, I, I, I took too long to say this. Zach, congratulations. It's the fifth anniversary of the One Piece podcast. Congratulations, you guys 
Yeah, you Thank guys you. are the example for the rest of us, and we are still playing catch up. You guys do amazing stuff. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the One Piece podcast. I wouldn't have been Not able. True. I wouldn't have yeah. been able to edit OPP Japan without you guys. You guys have shown That's me the more. utmost kindness. Thank you for letting me into the staff, which is really cool of you. And uh, I hope to work together with you guys in the future some more. You know, Jose, you've uh, you've really become a part of our family, and I'm not just saying that to be you know like, but it, it, it's true. Uh, it's nice to meet my somewhat identical twin from Florida. <laughs> um, no, it's thank thank you for doing it. It's it's a uh, it's been a long ride, um, and I assume we're going to be doing this for another few decades. So, uh, <laughs> thank thank you for the kind words. No problem. Back to our show. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, we have our own important shit coming up kind of at yeah, the you same do. time. Yeah. We have our 100th episode next weekend. Yes, Congrats on that. That is a huge milestone. Yeah, we are like, it's kind of weird that our milestones are almost pretty close. Yeah, we started around the same time. I think that's fine. Yes. Yeah. So we are really, really excited. Our 100th episode is going to be a big two hour long show. You And it's going to be live. That's right, live. We repeat yes. that you can stream it live, which it's means a scary thing. Yeah, because we're <laughs> yeah, gonna have Darrell here. We're gonna have Darrell here. Oh no! So Darrell will be completely uncensored, and I will not be responsible yes. for any of his comments. Yes. That <laughs> being said, I am telling him to be on his best behavior because it's going we are to be live. Can't be podcast. Oh god. Anyways, um, <laughs> it's gonna go from seven to nine p.m. and it's gonna be fun. You guys should listen in or. You can also contribute because we're not doing topics. We're not doing uh, ratings. We're not doing trending. We're not doing fuck all. This is your show for the for the 100th episode. You can call in at any time during 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday, June 8th. Uh, that's Eastern Standard Time, by the way. You can call in at any time and we will talk about whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. Please keep the language to a minimum. I will boot you from the call if I have to. Um, but you can pretty much talk about whatever you want. This is your show. This is your episode. Call in. Tell us what you want to talk about. We got two hours to kill, so please call in because I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. I have <laughs> no plans. We're not going to talk ratings, no news, nothing. No Attack on Titan recap, nothing. So uh, next week, tune in. And that number to call in is 305-600-0387. Do not call between any of those other hours, just 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday, June 8th, because I'm not going to pick up. But you can leave a voicemail. I, well, actually, I don't even have voicemail. Never mind. You can't leave a voicemail. Um, but call in during those hours and uh, and talk, talk to us. Be on the show. And we are going to put that episode live. Uh, that We're going to stream that episode live. We're also going to put it out uncut. I'm not going to make any edits to it. What you hear is what's going to be heard. So uh, I hope you guys look forward to that. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it in more than one way. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Please come out. Please call. Uh, this is your show for this for this week. So enjoy it. If I may say one more time, because I've said this on, on social media, I need to say it one more time because people seem to not get it through their thick little skulls. Um, we're That's not. nice. We're like, this is your show. Your thick skull. Come on. Well, there's some there's some trolls out there, and they're starting to piss me off. But um, basically, the podcast does not end at 
100. Oh. There. It's going to be more episodes. Okay. Just because Jose's leaving does not mean that the Yeah, let's not even talk about that. Like, yeah. we're good. Yeah. That It's it's not important at all. Like, the show's just going to continue on. So, guys, don't even worry about it. Um, 100 years, Tsunami Faithful Podcast. <laughs> RickandMorty.com, 100 years, Tsunami Faithful Podcast. <laughs> that is my terrible Rick impression. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's not a Zorak. No. No. That was no. fucking spot on. Only uh, only Zach and I know what you're talking about. What I'm talking about. Anyways, um, so that's pretty much it. Uh, Matt, before we go, man, any any final words while we got uh, you on the Tony Faith podcast? Um, well, I just want to say... <laughs> I just want to say thanks to all the uh, the Toonami guys and Adult Swim and Cartoon Network and all the studios I visited for taking time out of your day to uh, entertain me for a little bit. It's it's been awesome, and I can I can't think of anything else I'd rather have done with my Make a Wish than than do that. Well, I hope you had uh, the time of your life here as well, and uh, so people can follow you. Where uh, where on Twitter? Facebook, whatever. Where can the people follow you, man? Um, my Twitter account is at M-A-A-T-T-E-L-I-A-S. So it's my name with two A's. Um, that's kind of really all I do. Uh, I have a Tumblr, which is the same. M-A-A-T-T-E-L-I-A-S, which I don't use. But maybe I will if a bunch of people will start following me or something. But uh, Which they should. Yeah. <laughs> make me do something. Make me use that account. Yeah, dude. Keep uh, what I would love to uh, honestly see is more promos from you because the the ones you cut that I saw were really good. Yeah, I was actually uh, doing a little one for Gundam Double O that I haven't really worked on it for a while because I haven't been on this computer because it's it's too hot up here. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I might I might do that and then send that out. We'll, we'll wrap it up so we can get you out of here. Um, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Uh, we really really appreciate you taking the time out to come on. Oh, thanks um, for having me. Uh, everybody, this is Matt El- Alias, not my middle name, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Alias, uh, joining us, and thank you so much. Uh, I guess, Zach, where can they find you, man, at the One Piece Podcast at OnePiecePodcast.com? <laughs> Just do my job for me. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Twitter.com slash Zach underscore Logan, that's Z-A-C-H underscore Logan. Um, I'm also at AskFM for some reason, at Ask.FM, same thing, slash Zach underscore Logan. Um, and I, I do want to say also long overdue to a huge congratulations to Jose for just really accomplishing, uh, what you've set out to do. Like since I've met you and since I've started listening and since before that, I'm sure. Um, and I'm excited to see, I, I'm, I'm going to keep watching CNN. So I'm excited to see what, what you're going to do there. We can we can we can save that for the next episode. <laughs> I know, but I, I do. I want to say it's. Since, you don't want uh, Jose to start crying right now, okay? No, well, I I kind of do. That's my goal. <laughs> it's not it's not gonna happen, motherfuckers. It is. I I see your comments on Twitter. It's not happening. Anyways, uh, I guess I can go now. Uh, so uh, again, next week, please call in. Uh, and we might have some surprises for you too. I'm I'm trying to line some stuff up for you guys so can't talk about it right now so you better really listen in because it's gonna be live um you can follow me on twitter this is gonna be so weird you can follow me on twitter at jose underscore cnn uh you can also follow me on tumblr at j-e-a-r-g-u-m-e-d-o 
www.tumblr.com. And no, I can't change the name on that one. So that kind of blows. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Please be on the lookout for some video content. I'm probably going to be going up on the Geek E channel, but we'll link to it on our site. And uh, thanks for listening. See you all at episode 100. All right. And as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Piscirillo. It's P-E-S-C-R-I-L-O is my last name. Uh, you can also find me on Tumblr. Uh, I've written a couple of articles recently on Tumblr, so you can follow me there, uh, paulpiscirillo.tumblr.com. And um, you can also find me on the website whenever we get things back up and running the right way. Um, my username is tfadmin, so uh, there's that as well. Well, that's the very long podcast for this week. Thank you guys for listening. We can't wait for the 100th episode next week. Don't care, Battle of Gods. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we'll see you guys next week for the 100th episode live. Peace. We're out. Deuces. <laughs> Girl's gonna kill you. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
recently crawled out of the shadows as the artistic force behind Near Future, who I guess some of you guys might have heard of by now, um, who's been doing music for various Cartoon Network shows for about 10 years now. And so, cat's out of the bag, and we're here to talk about it. <laughs> um, actually, I was thinking more like a little bomb, like, you know, how you hear on the radio? Uh, you know, like... Yeah, that, I was just completely rambling shit. <laughs> Cut that shit out. <laughs> hey, what do, you, what do you mean? So it's kind of like a bomb on the radio, like, hi, I'm Ben Levin, you're listening uh, to the Toonami Faithful podcast. Check it oh, out. Oh, okay, or so like not that. the intro to the thing, just like a little stab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 